Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. You know, I'm <clears throat> sorry. I'm really getting tired of these computer hacks. Um, I was looking forward to a really fun show today. I mean, it's going to be fun anyway, but uh, it, it's just this, this cloud keeps hanging over. This will be the fifth hack in two weeks. They've already warned me about it, uh, that it's coming. And so I'm writing back my, my hosting company saying, hey, you know it's coming. You know who's doing it. You know how they're doing it. You know where they're doing it. Why don't you just stop it? Just, just block these people. Keep them out. Keep them away. And, and they're like, well, we're a hosting company. You know, we don't, uh, we don't do that. You know, we just uh, host your, your website. You know, it's up to you to get a, a webmaster and, uh, you know, fix it. And so I'm doing all I can. I've got my plugins updated, my security updated. I've got uh, all the stuff uh, us neophyte, non-webmaster people know how to do. I'm doing. It's already been done. Uh, but yet there's another hack coming and they're going to disable it temporarily. Um, and then, you know, we're going to get it back again, just like we've, we've, we keep doing. Uh, in fact, they're getting, I'm actually not as concerned as I was the first time it took a couple of days to get back, you know, by the, by the third time it took a couple of hours to get it back. So it's just a question of restoring. And then they, you know, and all the stuff's, uh, you know, uh, when the website comes back, I do what I can. And then when it shuts down again, and you know, I've done everything of late. I mean, it's all up to date. You know, actually, I've been spending a lot more time with it, which is something that I've probably uh, been a bit negligent at. We've got some old bills, some bills have been sitting around for a while, and trying to get those going has been uh, very interesting. So let me just make sure I'm broadcasting. We have a new setting here, and so it looks like I'm uh, I'm going. At least I hope I'm going. <laughs> we'll find out. You know, if somebody calls and says, "Hey, Greg, where are you?" <laughs> but as far as I know, it's, it's working. Another good reason we need a producer. Um, but I've got a new board thing, in it, and it says, generally, if it says mute, if I hit it, it will mute. Uh, and if it says unmute, uh, I guess that unmutes it. So, uh, so that, that, that's, I guess that's how it's working. Let me get my phone here real quick and check. Because my phone has a similar kind of thing. So if I put this on here, and, oh, I, have to, I actually have to make a call to do it. Okay, so I'm not going to do that. A little bit much right now. Uh, but it looks like, uh, as far as I know, things are working. So, again, you never know because we don't have levels yet. I've been after Blog Talk for five years to put uh, digital levels. So we know when we're broadcasting. But uh, if I understand this, when it says play, you hit play, it'll play. And when you know, and it says stop. You know, so I, I kind of think of it other ways. Uh, you know, it's like you do what you want it to do. So whereas I read it when it says mute on my, uh, my control board, I think it's already muted. <laughs> you know, but it's actually direction to mute it. So, again, if nobody calls me, life is great. Um, so let me just check. Uh, let's see if anybody sent me a, a message on Facebook or anything saying, hey, Greg, guess what? You're not on. And we'll find out in a minute here. Da, 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 da. Let's check around. Yep, nothing yet. Okay. So I guess we're doing fine. All right. So my plan was today, um, if you'll notice the schedule, there is no schedule. Um, there is no schedule in the show notes because nobody's scheduled today. The only person who's normally scheduled on Thursday uh, is CJ with the Wellness Watch. But she's off this week. And so it's just me. So I thought, okay, what can I do that's different what, and it's interesting? Um, and I got kind of inspired. A couple of things happened yesterday that were uh, wild. In fact, yesterday was just such an incredible day, news-wise. So we've got um, – let me just write down uh, what's, the new – it's 27th, so 7, 27, 23. I'm running out of notebook. I have to get a new notebook. This is my – one, two, three, four, five. I got, this is my fifth – 
you know, five spiral, five subject spiral notebook. Uh, and that's just this year. <laughs> or maybe it's a couple of years. Well, whatever. It is. It, it, these are the ones sitting on my desk right now. Um, so I've, I go through a lot of notes. Now, it's probably actually been a few years worth because I write a lot more because the show's three hours now. So that's an extra hour per day. So we've got Hunter. Apparently, Hunter's lawyer uh, called up uh, the judge with his uh, plea bargain and pretended that they were um, the Republican lawyer, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the Republican counsel at the House. And they said, oh, don't worry about all that uh, whistleblower information. You can just strike that from the record. And apparently they got caught. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. That's just funny. Right? That's hysterical. Uh, Mayorkas, who is a total psychopath. Uh, you know, if I was up there, I'd ask him if he's ever had a cognitive test, um, if he's ever been uh, tested to see if he has a conscience, see if he has any feelings, see if he's a, a human at all, or whether he tests, you know, positive for being a psychopath, because he lies with this smug arrogance on his face. He's actually proud of lying, uh, or he doesn't even know he's lying. You know, he says the border's closed. Man, I'd love to get up there if I was a member of Congress, and I'd say, uh, Mayorkas, I wouldn't even call, give him a title, because the man is, is, is uh, a pathetic you know, apparatchik stooge um, whose sole purpose is to destroy this country by flooding us with illegal aliens. And he calls them, you know, he says, well, we have to, you know, make more pathways to citizenship. Oh, give me a break. There's nothing to do with what he's doing, you know. And then he says the border's closed, okay, which is hysterical because everybody knows the border's open. You know, they're just totally lying. That's like saying winter is summer. Well, no, it's not. You know, it's that big a lie. Saying the border's closed when the border's completely open, it, it, the video's out, everybody knows it's open, right? So the border's completely open. And so for him to say it's closed is, is not only laughable, but sad because it, we know the border is open. He knows we know the border is open, and yet he tries to perpetuate this lie. Well, only, a, only somebody you know, with you know, no conscience, no you know, ability to distinguish right from wrong or lies from truth would sit there with a smug look on their face, knowingly lying without a twinge of guilt or apprehension, uh, and saying that the border's, the border's closed. Because it's patently absurd. It's patently not true. And so I would say, you know, if I were up there as a member of Congress, I'd say, we know the border's open. If you say the border's closed, we know it's a lie. If you lie before Congress under oath, that's a felony. So let me ask you, is the border open or closed? And he'd say the border was closed. I said, great, you've just, um, you know, confessed to a felony before Congress. And that's how you do it. But they don't do that. You know, I mean, Gates got after him and, and said he was part of the uh, part of the operation. Well, of course, he's part of the operation. That's not groundbreaking. The question is, why is he still in in, uh, in office? Why is he still running health? Uh, not excuse me. Why is he running the Department of Homeland uh, Security? Why hasn't his salary been, salary been cut? His pension been cut? I mean, Congress can do that. They just don't act. They talk, but they don't act. They don't do anything even remotely, um, you know, interesting. <laughs> they just don't. Anyway, so. I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, this is kind of fun. And there's a couple of other, so that was another hearing. But the, the most interesting hearing, the most interesting hearing by far was the UFO hearing. And if you missed that, uh, I listened to part of it. Of course, I posted on Facebook, but, you know, very few people react uh, because they don't recognize it. And when it, when it says C-SPAN, folks, that's a hearing. <laughs> You're supposed to listen. Um, and so that's, that's why I post those things there. You know, I try and post the best information anywhere uh, on the net. Uh, on my Facebook pages, my many Facebook groups. And if you don't know where all the groups are, you just pull up any Facebook window, you know, uh, the, the search window on the top left, that's where it is on my Mac, and you just put in Action Radio. And like 20 groups will appear all of a sudden. It's like, oh, gee, where'd they come from? You know, economics, family law, homeschool, uh, comedy, <laughs> environment, uh, legal, economic, you know, we've, we've got them all. Um, God, <laughs> we, we have no my God group. 
Um, we've just got all these different things going on. Special investigations. That's probably one of my most uh, popular and favorite groups is special investigations. That's all the stuff nobody wants to talk about. Oh, they just said that they just uh, flagged my gateway pundit post saying that, well, the Obamas really weren't there when uh, the only other black guy on Martha's Vineyard, you know, otherwise known as Mighty Whitey Island, uh, died, you know, mysteriously uh, in eight feet of water, you know, while holding uh, or next to a paddleboard, uh, which floats and could support his entire body if you simply, you know, just laid on top of it. <laughs> You know, in, in, on a calm day in clear weather. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not laughing at the fact that he died. I'm laughing at the, the, the story, a description around it. That's what's funny. It's sad that he died, you know, but the, but the question is why? You know, and, and, and apparently White House chefs don't have a good safety record. It's because they know too much, <laughs> you know. So it, it's a job that you, you risk, you know. So I think, uh, I think uh, just as a precaution. Hey, oh, Marco just joined us from the Netherlands. So uh, Marco, let me know if there's any. Uh, problems uh, broadcasting. Um, but uh, the, for White House chefs, I mean, uh, what they should do after they serve a president is go into the witness protection program. They need to disappear. So if you take the job as White House chef, because, you know, a couple of them have been killed under mysterious circumstances, the safest thing to do is to go into witness protection. So serve whatever president you want, you know, be the best chef you can, and then disappear. <laughs> Just, you know, go open a burger joint in Nebraska, you know, or, or maybe, uh, you know, a falafel place in uh, Istanbul. <laughs> You know, go somewhere else, but don't stick around here because, you know, your life expectancy, because uh, you know too much, uh, can be challenging. But I think that goes for any White House. You serve in the White House, you do your bit, and then you go to the Witness Protection Program and you get set up somewhere else. I mean, it's just as a precaution, just in case. All right. So the most interesting hearing, and uh, I'd be curious what Marco thinks of this, was the UFO hearing. And so they broadcast things that have never been publicly admitted. And you got three guys up there. And even though they say a lot of stuff had to go into, you know, quote, executive session or, or security stuff. And I'm like, why? What's the, what's the, why would you keep information on UFOs from us? We obviously know they're out there. We know that they've been seen. We've seen the videotapes. We've seen the radar. We've seen everything else. We've seen amazing things move at amazing speeds, things that the human being could not possibly endure the G-forces and survive. And yet they're telling us, well, we have to uh, take this into executive session. We can't tell the public. Why can't you tell the public? We're going to have to find out sooner or later anyway, <laughs> you know, and what's the big secret? It's not like it's a national secret, right? Unless the, the Area 51 aliens are out there playing bridge with, uh, you know, generals. I mean, that would be interesting, you know, but uh, short of that, <laughs> you know, what's the big deal? Why can't we know about this? It, it's not a national secret. It's an interworld secret. And what, why would you protect interworld secrets? That makes no sense to me, right? So, so the fact that they're keeping stuff secret from us, well, I mean, it's not like you're keeping it. And why would you keep it secret from other nations? Other nations have the same aliens we do, most likely, whoever they are. <laughs> you know, or maybe different, different nations have different aliens. I mean, we, I'm just, you know, and the idea that there aren't aliens out there, that there aren't other forms of life, is impossible. I'll tell you why. There are, if, if, for everybody that's old enough, I don't know if Marco remembers uh, Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan used to have a show called Cosmos. It was on um public tv national public broadcasting or socialist media basically the government socialist media but back then they were actually pretty good and he had this, this kind of like almost a bullwinkle voice and he would say there were billions and billions of stars in the sky right and then he just wonder the cosmos is a wondrous place where we're going to play and tell you wondrous things and he did it was great i mean i watched it when i was like 12 years old anyway so he talked about the fact that there were um, any number, millions of suns, uh, stars like our sun, okay? Which means, the, you know, there's probably millions of uh, solar systems like ours, which means there's probably millions of Earths out there. They're planet from the sun, oxygen, nitrogen, atmosphere, 
you know, uh, carbon-based life forms, uh, water-based uh, um, systems of uh, everything. <laughs> you know, what, what are the building blocks of, blocks of life? Carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. That's it. Okay. That's it. That's carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. That's what makes the world go around. Okay. It just does. We're carbon-based life form. Carbohydrates. What are they? Carbon and hydrogen. Okay. And oxygen. You know, what's, what is oil? Hydrocarbon. <laughs> carbon and hydrogen. Okay. What happens when you put carbon and hydrogen from gasoline into an internal combustion engine and you add oxygen? It burns. What happens when you uh, have uh, carbohydrates and you put them in your body? They burn. <laughs> what's the difference? <laughs> We're all the same stuff, right? So, so, what, <clears throat> so what are the chances that there are absolutely no planets like ours, you know, around the millions of suns that are out there, and that those planets haven't developed either more advanced or more primitive forms of life. You know, maybe they're at the amoeba stage in, in various planets, and maybe they're at the, the ultra intergalactic travel. Maybe they got, you know, warp drive plus, you know, warp 2.0. <laughs> okay. There's no way to know. But they're visiting us, obviously. I mean, and you look at uh, uh, the old film Chariots of the Gods. You look at all the pictures on the caves and the, uh, the drawings on the ground of spaceships that came a long time ago. So if, you're, if you want to have some fun, watch the movie. Um, Michael Rennie, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and Klaatu, the robot. Uh, in fact, Jonathan Mosley knows what the, what the saying is to stop Klaatu from destroying the, the entire world. But Klaatu is the, it was one of those peacekeeping robots with the laser beam coming out of its nose, and a little thing opens up, and you know, you're vaporized. It, it's quite interesting. Anyway, so that was the, you know, the, and Klaatu was there because the Earth became too violent. We had atomic weapons, and, you know, we we're going to destroy each other. And we still might because, you know, you got an illegal occupant of the White House. You got a stupid war in Ukraine that shouldn't be going on. You've got us, you know, funding one side. You got the Russians on the other side. See, if, this, if Russia had invaded in Ukra- with, with uh, Ukraine arms, you know, without any help, this would have been over within a couple of days. Uh, yeah, some people would have died, but there wouldn't have been the hundreds of thousands that have been killed now. Yeah, and Americans don't see it because you don't see all the dead bodies piled up, you know, on the news because they don't show you that, right? You know, they did show you that during the Iraq war because, you know, it was us, you know, uh, supporting, you know, the people. Yeah, right. Against Saddam. Saddam Hussein. We didn't stop Saddam Hussein. You know, as George Bush, the elder globalist would say. Uh, then we had George Bush, the younger globalist, who wanted to show daddy that he could do a better war than he did. Right? So uh, we had to go to war just, so, just for Bush, the younger's ego. And we had to go to war for Bush, the elder's, elder's ego, so that he could show how tough he was compared to Ronald Reagan, who really was tough and was so tough he didn't have to go to war. Sun Tzu, the art of war, right? The true test of war is, <clears throat> is that you can defeat the enemy without going to war. Well, Democrats can't do that, and the globalists don't want to do that, and the uh, industrial war complex doesn't want to do that. It's not the in- military industrial complex. It's really the, the, um, the industrial war complex. I mean, they're, they're dedicated. Their industry is war. That's their business, war. Okay, and obviously, like raw materials, human beings get used up. You know, kind of like uh, coal in the furnace. And that, that's that's the price of war. So these people can make a profit. It's crazy. Anyway, so we had the UFO hearing. We had the uh, the psychotic uh, Mayorkas, you know, lying and and just uh, smugly looking around. And, say, and he's looking around at Congress. He says, "You can't touch me." You can see that in his face, right? He's just smiling. Every time he lies, he smiles, right? That's what makes him such a psychopath. Uh, again, I believe he has no concept of right and wrong. He has no morals. He has no ethics. He has no humanity. There's no soul there. That is an empty shell of a man who is a total psychopath who's there to lie. That's his job. Flood the country with illegal aliens and lie. 
So why would you even put him before Congress? Basically, you want to isolate him. You want to uh, cancel his budget. You want to cancel his office. You want to take away his limousine, his security clearance, take away his pension, take away his salary, take away everything from him. And hopefully he'll leave. But, uh, you know, it'd be hard to find somebody as psychotic as Mayorkas to fill that position because most people that have a conscience couldn't lie anywhere near as bad as, as well as he does. All right. So that's what's going on. So anyway, so then yesterday I also found out that my congressman, Representative Matt Gates, who used to be on the show until he started wearing hair gel and became a national celebrity, um, has a bill, an immigration bill, ending birthright citizenship, which is conveniently about four, maybe three months, three or four months after President Trump had a, had a, uh, a proclamation for his campaign, ending birthright citizenship, which is fascinating because we gave bills to both of them <laughs> back in 2018. So our five-year-old bills have suddenly resurfaced. And the question I had is, uh, who's there better? Now, because I'm so busy doing everything else, I haven't had, I know my bills intimately because I wrote them, <laughs> the two that I'm going to talk about. Uh, I read through Matt Gates' bill sort of cursor, cursor, cursorily, quickly, <laughs> yesterday. And so we're going to go over it in detail. And uh, that's going to be uh, interesting. And then I'll read you my bills. Now, um, I'm going to try and read them from my own website. But my own website has been hacked again. They've already told me. So usually within uh, 10 to 12 hours, it goes away. So I'm just going to just try and refresh my screen and see if it's still there. Or do we go to access denied? Nope, still there. <laughs> Let's try the other bill. Yep, that's still there too. So until, the, until I'm hacked, I'm going to use those. But uh, feverishly before the show started, uh, I made copies of both bills. In a, in a text edit. So I have those on my screen uh, in case the hack goes through during my show. And if I couldn't have my two bills, I wouldn't be able to do like an hour of the show. Okay. The other thing I wanted to announce is that I have a special uh, presentation back from my WEBY days. And um, the manager, uh, this is on the Imogene Theater. Now the Imogene uh, is my favorite place in Milton. Uh, it's definitely haunted. There are presences there. I have felt them. Felt them yesterday when I got within 30 feet of the place. It's like I felt the presence. It's like, okay, yep, hi, I'm back. It's like, it's like they're welcoming me back. So the spirits are definitely there in the Imogene. Imogene was built in 1912. It was named for Imogene, the daughter of the uh, owners. And she was there until I think about 33. She died rather early in life. Uh, the family had some, some tragedies. But the Imogene Theater is gorgeous. It's on the National Historic Register. It's a historic building. And it will be, of course, destroyed if these idiots, these morons, get their way and put a four-lane uh, expressway uh, through Milton. And so we can't have that. Um, and quite frankly, I think it's illegal by the fact that this building is on the historic register, as well as some other buildings in downtown Milton. So the thing to do is keep our two-lane road. Um, I, I would block off the, uh, the, the this is a street called Willing Street, which comes into Caroline. Caroline goes in front of the Imogene. Make a couple of cul-de-sacs and that, that traffic light there. Uh, and that'll take away most of the traffic problems, but people will still go through Milton slowly. And that's the whole point. And if you want to go through fast, then go down. To, we have I-10, Interstate 10, perfectly good six-lane freeway. Use that. If you want to go fast, go down there. It's about two minutes away um, from, uh, from the, the, the roads up here. Uh, and then at least it's by 87. It's about uh, f maybe five minutes away you know, on, on this side of the river, two minutes away on the other side of the river if you're at Route 87. You'd have to look at a map to see what I'm talking about. But anyway, point being, I-10 is very close by. But we have a bunch of folks who don't live in Milton who are willing to destroy Milton simply so they can get through it a few minutes faster. That is the most self thing I think I've heard in a long time. And yet that's what they want to do because they don't care. So if you don't live in Milton, I, I honestly don't think you should have a vote on, on the, um, the two-lane, four-lane thing. Anyway, 
back to the imaging. So the imaging is one of the main reasons why we should never uh, expand the lanes. We should actually slow people down. Speed bumps, get rid of the trucks. You know, instead of having, um, I think it's a 25-mile limit, five miles an hour. Go five miles an hour through Milton. So if you want to drive here, you actually want to drive here. You don't want to just go through. So in other words, my bumper sticker would be Milton, uh, Florida, drive to, not through. And so that's the idea. That's my campaign. Anyway, so I met this guy, Carl Werner, who was the uh, manager, uh, general manager of the Imogene back in 2017 when I started here at WBY. So the interview that I have in the second hour is from uh, sometime in the second hour. It depends how long I rant and rave right now. Um, talking about uh, the Imogene, the history, the history of the town, uh, other places that he has you know, created these wonderful uh, historic buildings into modern facilities. Um, and so that's what we need here with the courthouse across the street. So you've got the Imogene Theater on one side, this big cube of a building, right? Uh, and across the street is the old courthouse, which is now abandoned because we've built a new courthouse. So we need to take the courthouse across the street and turn it into the courthouse market. So you'd have this beautiful historic theater on one side of the street. You'd have this incredible marketplace with restaurants, gourmet, uh, food shops, crazy hat places, you know, Western photography, you know, all the usual glitzy, kitschy stuff, right? Uh, and then, of course, we've got the river, so we'd have riverboat tours. We'd have river tours. We've got a river. We've got an airport nearby, uh, We've got, which would be great for, for – I hope to expand uh, – in fact, I'd love to get the Thunderbirds there. It's, it's part of my management plan because everybody's so Blue Angels-oriented in Pensacola. I want to bring the Thunderbirds to Milton <laughs> just because it would be fun, right? I don't, I don't know if the runway's long enough. It's only 5,000 uh, – uh, I think it's 3,000 feet. It needs to be 5,000 probably for the Jets. Well, we'll see. Anyway, they can always land in Pensacola and still fly over Milton. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm always looking for instigating. So anyway, so Carl, Kyle, I thought was a fabulous manager. Uh, when Kyle was managing um, the, the Imogene, uh, we had uh, National Acts. We had uh, B.J. Thomas, you know, raindrops keep falling on my head. B.J. Thomas was there. And what's beautiful about the Imogene is it's what they call intimate theater. In other words, the audience is like 10 feet from the stage. And you're sitting down on little tables and chairs. It's, it's very... Uh, uh, very casual, very local. And when B.J. Thomas was here, people were actually just calling up questions, especially women. Women love B.J. Thomas, right? And so uh, he did some other songs. But, uh, but uh, that was one. What else was his famous? There's more, t- more songs he did. Raindrops was one of the big ones. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's another one that everybody knows that I've forgotten right now. Anyway, I'll have to look it up. Um, but point being, um, Leanne Womack was there. And she was fabulous. Uh, but also we have local stuff. We had the Milton High School Jazz Band. Uh, this being Milton, Florida, that fence. Uh, but we've had, uh, and last night, last night was really special. This is what caused me to, to get the interview for today. So last night we had um, Joel Rudman. So Joel Rudman is Dr. Joel Rudman. And he's also a state representative. So Dr. Joel Rudman was one of the early crusaders for, for COVID truth, as opposed to government propaganda, lies, and death. And so, uh, but he's got a band. So not only does this guy, you know, heal people, he's a doc, uh, he's a state legislator. Uh, he also plays a, a really nice uh, Gibson Les Paul. And so I've got recordings of, of a couple of the early songs. Uh, I stayed for a while. Um, I had to, actually had to come back and practice for my own band, which I'm starting up, um, which should be, uh, yeah, I'll let you know. Try, getting a rock band going is, uh, is quite an endeavor. I know I've tried it several times and have uh, you know, not been successful yet. Otherwise, I'd be playing in a band every weekend. All right. Anyway, uh, point being, so so Joel Rudman shows up. It was a free concert. Uh, they had food down below, too. They had this barbecue pork and these beautiful beans and coleslaw. And, of course, I, I skipped the bread. I'm trying to cut down. Carbs, you know, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen for our earlier discussion. Carbs. I don't need carbs. <laughs> yeah. Give me fruits, vegetables, meat, you know, fish. 
uh, things like that. But carbs, no, I, I'm trying to cut down on the carbs. Fat is good, avocados especially, right? But uh, but fat is good, uh, carbs are bad. Uh, it's just that simple. So Joel played last night. We had a quick chat, hoping to get him back on the show. I don't know if it's a fundraiser, a kickoff campaign, but it was Joel Rudman and the Freedom Fighters. <laughs> that was the name of the band. And so I got kind of inspired being back at the Imogene and feeling, you know, one of the uh, presences of the spirits that live there. Uh, maybe more of the more spirits. That was a bunch. I don't know. I just it was weird. Anyway, but I love that building. And so I dragged up this interview with Kyle Verner. Now I don't know what happened to Kyle. Kyle was there and then he was gone. You know, as much like me at WBY. You know, when Cat Country uh, the, the, in, in AM 1620, the owners of that bought uh, WBY, um, and they said uh, they got rid of me immediately. <laughs> as soon as they officially owned the station, I was gone uh, for, do, for basically doing action radio. Right? That's why they got rid of me. Um, but they never said anything, so I just wasn't there. I mean, I was just completely gone. I just disappeared. I wasn't there. And I never got a chance to explain to people why I wasn't there. Um, but quite frankly, I had an agreement that I wouldn't, you know, badmouth them or say nasty things about them, and I don't. Um, but the question, but the, the thing still remains, I couldn't explain to all my, uh, my audience where I'd gone. And so I had to start all over again at blog talk radio. And so that's what I did. So I started over here. Um, but anyway, basically the, it, it wasn't, you know, that I was doing anything wrong, uh, at that station. In fact, probably as far as I'm concerned, I was doing everything right. And you can tell by the interviews. This is part of the reason I play these interviews is to show you what I was doing at the station I was fired from, you know, let you make your own decisions. What, what was I doing that was so bad? Anyway, I was promoting my local area. I was promoting the town. I was, I was you know, doing my civic duty as a media person. I was doing all the things I thought I should do. And I did it willingly and lovingly because I love this town. And willingly because I want to you know, let people know what's going on here. This is a very local radio show that's completely international. And so we bring the local flavor of the south, of Florida, of the Gulf Coast, of all of the river you know, the river community, the, the uh, Gulf community, and all the different uh, things that come together here. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of interface in this area, you know, between the river, the Gulf, you know, the people, the South, the, you know, Florida, the new folks coming in. There's a lot of different interfaces going on here. And I love being a part of it, especially at a local radio station, which had internet and was going national big time when I was fired, <laughs> you know, let go, uh, removed from the air, you know, told I was not going to do another show. And so after, you know, looking around for other jobs and didn't find one in the area, I just started on blog talk and here we are. But I want to, but the same thing with Kyle, where did he go? I got to find him. I got to find out because I thought he did a great job, but uh, you know, my opinion apparently <laughs> doesn't count for all that. Don't do a Facebook search, you know, during uh, when I, when I play the interview. Okay. So that's where we are now. So what I'm going to do next is give you our information. I'll take a little break here. 76, 726, 726 info. So we'll take an info break and tell you how to, all, the, all the information you need for the station. Then I'll come back, we'll do Matt Gates' bill, then my two bills, then we'll play the uh, um, interview with Kyle Verner from the Imogene. It's about 42 minutes. Uh, and if there's any time left over, we'll just kind of like BS for a while. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, I'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. 
call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system.
Oops, this is what happens when I get caught thinking all my things are a minute long. So, or <laughs> it's only like 30, 40 seconds. Okay, so let me go up and play the last uh, promo that I was going to play here. Uh, here we go. I, sh- I should be better organized. I need a staff. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. back and so I'm still trying to learn my new buttons here and uh, uh, it's got uh, it keeps adding things you know mute in the call uh, indicator connection so it looks like the internet's doing fine uh, it looks like I've unmuted you know successfully so I'm, I'm trying to learn some new buttons here all right let's get to the bill and a little description of it uh, at first and so I, I learned about this on one American news at first I heard that Matt Gates had a new bill and so of course I looked it up and I went to one of my favorite sources uh, the Washington Examiner and the uh, reporter is Brecken F. Tice, T-H-E-I-I-E-S, excuse me, T-H-I-E-S, must give our credit correctly, investigative reporter, July 25th, uh, 2023, at 3.29 p.m., <laughs> in case you wanted to know. So that, that's where it is. And so Tice says, Representative Matt Gates, uh, Republican of Florida, and actually the first congressional district, I know because I'm in it. It says he introduced the bill to end birthright citizenship in the United States. Now, I call it birth fraud citizenship, and you'll see why when we get to my bill. Uh, actually, my two bills. Um, and so I'm not saying that his bill is bad. It's actually a good bill. Um, but I think our bills are better. And that's really what it, uh, the, this, this show is all about, that uh, he's had our bills, as had anybody else that read my press releases and got the information. But Matt Gates, especially because he's in my district, you know, and I sent him the bills uh, first and said, here, you know, so because I want him to, to put our bills and submit them. That's the whole point of Action Radio is to get, you know, members of Congress to submit them. But this bill looks very similar, but it's got, I think, some deficiencies. And I think he would have uh, now we have to try and correct those deficiencies, whereas it's been a lot easier if he just would have taken my bill and uh, put it in and then maybe amended it and did whatever Congress was going to do with it. All right. So it says, introduced a bill to end birthright citizenship in the States, negating the incentive for illegal immigrants to travel across the border to have babies on U.S. soil. Or as I would say, birth fraud citizenship in the United States, negating the incentive for illegal aliens to travel across the border to have babies on U.S. dirt. <laughs> now, the reason I use U.S. dirt um, is because it's, it, it, it's, it's partially derogatory. It's like you're not a citizen because you, you, know, uh, you had a baby on our dirt. You know, or anybody else's dirt for that matter. But Americans who have you know, babies on other people's dirt are Americans. So citizenship, uh, the 14th Amendment when they talk about citizenship, and the Immigration and Naturalization Act when they talk about citizenship, you know, that's, that's not geographical jurisdiction. That's citizenship jurisdiction. And understanding that makes all the difference. All right. So the next part of the article says the End Birthright Citizenship Fraud Act. See, the Birthright Citizenship Fraud Act. Why do you call it birth fraud citizenship like we do? This is where I know, I, I know he read my bill. I know. I can't prove it, but I know, okay? And I know they took a lot of what we wrote uh, and put it into their bill, and I don't mind that. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. That's the most sincere form of flattery. What I mind is we don't get any credit for it. 
All right. So it'd be nice if, if Matt Gates in a newsletter said, yeah, this bill was inspired by uh, uh, citizen legislation from Action Radio. Just, just say that. Just say it publicly. Say it on, uh, you know, Gorka's show or, or say it on Newsmax or, or even if you go on Fox, which I don't watch anymore, um, or One American News. Just say it somewhere. You know, just say it. You know, put it on the bill. This bill inspired by a citizen legislation bill from Action Radio. That's all I want. You know, just a little credit for what we do. I give credit for everything that I, that I get from anybody else. Every reporter gets credit. Every news source, every website gets credit. And I don't care. You know, anybody, when I find something else, if I find something on somebody else's program or from another talk show host or from a Facebook post, they always get credit. Why? Because that's the right thing to do. Okay? I never take credit for things that I don't do. However, I certainly do take credit for things that I do do. <laughs> if you'll pardon the expression, do do. All right. Uh, so this is the End Birthright Citizenship Fraud Act. <laughs> Familiar title. Would amend the interpretation of the 14th Amendment. Okay, so the 14th Amendment doesn't get interpreted. This is the Washington Examiner article. You don't interpret the 14th Amendment like everything else in the Constitution. You read it. It is self-explanatory. Interpreting is changing. If you interpret something, you are changing it from what it is, from what's there, to something else. The King James Bible is an interpretation of the original Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. It is not the literal Bible. So all you folks reading the King James Bible, you're reading an interpretation to English from somebody who probably didn't know a whole lot of Hebrew and Greek. Good luck. <laughs> That's why things in the, in the King James Version of the Bible are so different than the original Hebrew and Greek. I mean, Wendy points that out every week on the, the Oh My God Report, every Wednesday at 7.30 uh, Central Time. She's always talking about it, because she actually can read the Hebrew and the Greek, <laughs> okay? Or she has a book that translates it directly. You know, I mean, thou shalt uh, kill is not what the, the, the commandment is, is thou shalt not murder. Well, there's a whole lot of difference between murder and killing. If you're hunting, you're killing, okay? If you, if you, if you uh, take the life of a friend, you're murdering, okay? There's a big difference, big difference. All right. Anyway, so back to the, uh, the article here. Uh, for interpretation of the 14th Amendment in the Immigration and Nationality Act, that's the INA, to what a growing number of conservatives consider to be its original intent. Okay, so there's another flaw, all right? So the first flaw is interpreting the 14th Amendment. You don't interpret it. You read it. The second flaw is going for its original intent. It doesn't matter what its original intent is. It only matters what it says. See, that's a contract. You know, nobody, nobody, the, the Constitution is a contract. It's a contract between the, the federal government and the states. But the federal government exists at the pleasure of the states as long as they follow the contract. The contract is the Constitution that delegates all their power. Okay? It doesn't say interpret the 14th Amendment. It, it, it says use it. <laughs> you know, well, I don't know what the Constitution says exactly, but that's, that's the point. You know, nowhere in the Constitution does it says this document shall be interpreted by the Supreme Court. Nowhere. It, nowhere does it say the, you know, that uh, this Constitution is open for interpretation. Nowhere does it say that. <laughs> okay? So if it doesn't say it, you can't do it. It's, it's pretty simple. Anyway, so this idea of original intent is another made-up manifestation of a bunch of people that want to uh, – I mean, how do you know what the original intent was? Well, the only way you know is what they said. The founders said back then. And, and what they said – you know, really is in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the, and the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers. You don't have to interpret it. You just read them. <laughs> that was their intent. It's pretty clear, right? Anyway, so this is then back to the article. Gates legislation would bar automatic citizenship conferred upon babies born in America to parents who are not U.S. nationals. Okay. In other words, citizens. 
The bill includes a provision excluding non-citizens who were admitted lawfully as PGs, permanent residents, or working in the military. Okay, there's three flaws. There's two flaws in there. One is good: permanent residents. Obviously, permanent residents are on a pathway to citizenship. Only permanent residents are on a pathway to citizenship. The goal of being a permanent resident, in other words, a green card holder, the goal of that is that you become, after five years, a U.S. citizen. That's when you're eligible. You have to live here five years, prove that you're not going to be a burden, you're not going to be a criminal, you're not going to be, uh, you know, that the, the government didn't goof when they invited you to be an immigrant and a permanent resident. Uh, and then after that, um, you know, if you, uh, you can be a citizen if you were good, <laughs> you know, good behavior. Uh, if you weren't, you might still be a permanent resident, but if you commit enough crimes, you're going to be deported. You're going to be gone. We don't want you anymore, okay? And uh, revoking the citizenship of, of people that are naturalized is really not that difficult. People don't know that. Uh, I've been over this a bunch of times. You serve in a foreign government. You serve in a foreign military. You lose American citizenship if, you, if you're naturalized. It's gone. And whether they actually do it or not, that's another matter, but it can be. That, that's in the law. Okay, so, and people working in the military as foreign nationals? No. <laughs> you, know, you don't get citizenship just because you serve in the military. That's crazy. No, you, you get citizenship the way everybody gets citizenship. There's no special privilege for serving in the military, okay? Or whether they're risking their life, Greg. Well, so are firefighters. You know, I mean, so is anybody that, that commutes to work on a bus. <laughs> you know, and have to walk in front of it. You know, I mean, people who risk their lives every single day some more so than others. But that's not the point. The point is we don't have a, a, a privileged society and a regular society. Immigrants don't have to go through an entire process and the military folks get an exemption. That's crazy. Back to the article. Birthright citizenship has been grossly and blatantly misapplied for decades, recently becoming a loophole for illegal aliens to fraudulently abuse our immigration system, the Florida Republicans said in a press release. My legislation recognizes that American citizenship is a privilege. That's true. Not an automatic right to be adopted by illegal aliens. Well, he's sort of right, but he's sort of not because he doesn't go far enough. Okay? Um, this, uh, this idea that if you're born on U.S. dirt, you're a citizen, total fabrication. It's total imagination. It does not exist anywhere in U.S. law, policy, or regulation. It's assumed, but it's not there. Hospitals give citizenship on birth certificates to people they have no uh, lawful authority to do so. They've been doing it for decades. You know, you get some Russian tourists or Chinese tourists flying in, drop a baby after being here for a couple of weeks, and then uh, fly home with their new American citizen. No, that's been going on for a long time. All of those need to be corrected. So here's the part that's missing. And the, the, the most important thing that's missing, but it's something I have to add to my bill. I'm going to have to put citizenship correction. Citizen. Assuming my website's not hacked. Citizenship correction. So citizenship correction, and they say, well, you're, you're canceling it. You know, you've given U.S. citizenship. You can't take it back. Yes, you can. In fact, there's precedent uh, for many ways. In fact, Americans naturalized, natural-born Americans can lose their citizenship. They can, uh, what's the word? Not revoke. I keep forgetting this word. Not rescind. Um, to, 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 there's a word for it, and I keep forgetting what it is. Let me see if Marco knows. You guys know the word I'm thinking of, right? When you uh, abdicate. Uh, resign. Oh, what's the word? It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, but uh, you basically decide that you've, uh, you don't want to be an American citizen anymore. Okay. You can do that. You can declare that you're, you you know, you can declare a citizen of Costa Rica, you know, to get tax benefits when you've retired. Sure. Go ahead. But you're not going to be an American citizen anymore. So that's the problem. Uh, Anyway, um, but this idea that citizenship cannot be changed is absurd. Of course it can. 
and it can be corrected. In other words, same same way as if you uh, uh, you you go to your um, bank and you you know ATM and you request uh, two hundred dollars, and it gives you two hundred thousand dollars by mistake. Do you get to keep it? No. <laughs> well, well, it's mine. They gave it to me. You know, no, you don't get to keep it. That was called a mistake. Well, the same thing here with the citizenship. Giving citizenship to people born here to illegal aliens or foreign nationals is a mistake. It's a mistake that needs to be corrected. And the way you correct it is you correct it to the citizens of the parents. And this is going to have to go back through several generations. And this is one of the problems uh, because this has gone on so long. So all these folks that are coming in across the border, uh, many of whom are having babies, none of those babies are Americans. None. And the trick is going to be to uh, find the willpower of members of Congress to fight the left who's going to say, well, they're born here. You can't take citizenship back. Okay, fine. Then, uh, well, no, it's actually not fine. We'll say uh, that's not true. Um, just because it's given, given mistakenly, you know, maybe we could say, well, maybe that COVID money was a mistake. Let's take it all back. Maybe all that unemployment money from COVID, that was a mistake. We should take that back. <laughs> you know, anyway, uh, the student loans, you know what we're going to do? We're going to revoke all the, all those loans that were canceled. Yeah, we're going to put them back in. <laughs> in fact, they should do that anyway. That's probably not a good example. So it says the legislation goes through a history uh, tying the clause to the English common law and laying out a legal case for how the West has understood obtaining citizenship, including Roman law. The bill goes into history of the clause in American history through the proposal and adoption of the amendment. Okay, that doesn't mean a whole lot until you actually read the bill, which is what I'm going to do next. Referencing former, all right, let me, uh, in fact, let me just do that. Um, Here we go. I'll I'll tell you the exact stuff in the bill in just a second. It says, ending birthright citizenship in some form has become a policy position among a growing number of conservatives, including the top three Republican presidential candidates, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay, so they're all, uh, Trump did it late. He should have done it in his first first term, like he talked about. Trump was talking about this in his first term. Okay. Uh, Ron DeSantis is talking about it now because he's running for president. And Vivek Ramaswamy, who we call Obama Swamy, uh, I don't know why he's doing it. He's uh, he's the he's the stealth leftist. In fact, he was on with Dan Ball um, a few nights ago, and Dan, of course, being a good journalist, said, "Well, I have to ask you these questions about the World Economic Forum." You know, and uh, he says they selected you for their uh, young leadership program, which we at Action Radio call Communist Boot Camp. <laughs> so he was selected for Communist Boot Camp. He says, well, I, I don't, uh, I objected to that. I didn't, I never went to Communist Boot Camp. He didn't say that, right? But he said, I never went. I didn't, and in fact, I, I wanted my name taken off the list. In fact, I sued them to have my name ta- taken off the list. We'll see the correct follow-up question was, well, why did they select you in the first place? How did they find you, Obama Swami? Out of millions of Americans who were successful actually building a business who didn't make $600 million out of God knows where, how did they find him in the first place? See, that's the question, all right? So he may have disavowed their, uh, their membership. That's like when uh, David Duke said he really wasn't in the Klan, even though he was. <laughs> you know, I'm not a member of the Klan. I'm not an imperial wizard. No, I, I've, I've disavowed the Klan. Oh, here's your membership card for the Klan. Oh, sorry. Thank you very much. It's like... Um, uh, Claude Rains in, in the movie Casablanca, where he says, I'm shocked. I'm shocked to find out that there's gambling going on in this casino. We have to close it right down. Or gambling going on in this establishment. We have to close it down. And the little guy comes up and says, here, you're winning, sir. He says, well, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah. So the standards of justice are, are very strange. So Swami, I don't have any faith in Swami at all. I think he's a liar. I think he's a cheat. I think he's a stealth Obama kind of person. I think he's put there by globalist powers that want to sabotage our country. And he's going to be the inside person to monitor Trump to make sure he doesn't do anything that makes America great. That's his job. Okay, so in May, 
the last part of the article, Trump vowed to sign an executive order on his first day in office blocking federal agencies from allowing birthright citizenship as currently interpreted. Well, see, interpret. So you don't interpret, you read, okay? He, Trump says, my policy will choke off a major incentive for continued illegal immigration. There's no such thing as illegal immigration. There are illegal aliens and there's lawful immigrants. The two don't cross. It says, deter more migrants from coming and encourage many of the aliens Joe Biden has unlawfully let into our country to go back to their home countries. Okay, well, there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, then he says, DeSantis announced his plan to end birthright citizenship in June, yada, yada, yada. Uh, earlier this month, uh, Obama Swamy called the current interpretation of birthright citizenship. Uh, he says, where immigrants are coming illegally, intentionally to be able to establish an illegal toehold in the United States and abandonment of the rule of law. Okay, I never liked the expression, the rule of law. The law doesn't rule. The people do. So the people are not under the rule of law. The people create the laws that rule the government. So the government is under the rule of law. So let's uh, renounce. That's it. Thank you. Marco always comes when I need him. Marco's in the Netherlands. He says, denounce or renounce. I, I don't know why I can never think of that word. Probably because it's so abhorrent to my nature. I would have my U.S. citizenship. It was, it, a, it was too hard to get it, and it's too valuable. I value it too much. Um, but, uh, yeah. But if you want to get out of the U.S. citizenship, just renounce it. Okay, you can do that. I, I, I think you go to the State Department or some official place, and, and you just you know, sign whatever forms, and you renounce your citizenship. Idiots, don't do it. <laughs> it's really stupid. That's a stupid thing to do. All right, so let's get rid of this article, take it off my website, make my, uh, uh, my computer happy, and, and there we go. So let's get to the bill. Let's get to the bill itself. Um, let's take a quick – let me play something real quick for you guys. I don't really play anything too long. Let's take, a, let's take an America the Beautiful break, and we'll come back with Matt Gates' bill. And so I start playing more music. I don't have to play more commercials. So I'll save them for later. But uh, here we go. I'll play this. I'll be right back in a minute. Doesn't that make for a cool break? <laughs> I'm going to use it more often. I actually had it turned down a bit because when I start feeling patriotic, usual what I'm going to do um, is uh, play that in the background because <laughs> it's really kind of fun to, to uh, you know, make patriotic sayings over that. Uh, Marco has a point. He says, well, if you move abroad, uh, aren't you paying taxes in two countries? If you don't renounce your citizenship, uh, USA will make you pay taxes abroad. I think the, the taxes don't have as much to do with citizenship uh, as they have to do with income. So in other words, if someone comes here on an H-1 visa, uh, they're here for six months, and they make a whole bunch of money here, and they go back to India, Thailand, you know, uh, Nigeria, wherever they came from for their H-1 visa. Um, they're still going to pay taxes on that income, even though they're not U.S. citizens, and they're going to get a tax bill at the end of the year or whatever. They're going to have to so – they'll still owe American taxes because they made money here. But that's not really what I'm talking about. Citizenship is a different thing. 
And so let's get to Matt Gates' bill. So let's uh, pull it up right here. HR, let's make the window a little smaller now. It's got a lot of gray area on both sides. The bill has some gray area too, but that's a different story. So let's shrink it up a little bit so I can see my phone calls, see if anybody joins me um, today. Oh, it, says, it doesn't even have a number yet. That's how new this bill is. 118th Congress, HR, don't know. <laughs> HR stands for House Resolution. That's not good. It should be a bill, not a resolution. He says, in the House of Representatives, Mr. Gates has introduced the following bill. To amend the Immigration and Nationality Act to clarify the application of birthright citizenship and for other purposes. Be it enacted by the Senate and House of the Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled. One, short title. This act may be cited as End Birthright Citizenship Fraud Act of 2023, which is remarkably similar, remarkably similar to our, are you ready, Revoking Anchor Baby Birth Fraud Citizenship. That's one of my bills from 2018, <laughs> which Mr. Gates has had for a long time. Section 2, the purpose of this act is to recognize the principle of limited jus soli, that's Latin for, I don't know, something, <laughs> J-U-S-S-O-L-I, conveyed in the 14th Amendment and codified in the Immigration and Nationality Act to the statement subject to the jurisdiction thereof. That's going to come up really fast in my bill, too, but I'll, I'll go through his bill first, and then I'll let you uh, play back, play the, 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 the podcast, go back and forth, see what you want to do, or just listen carefully. Subject to the jurisdiction thereof and reform, United States immigration law to be consistent with the statement's original meaning, there we go again, by denying automatic citizenship at birth to children born in the United States to parents who are not United States nationals, uh, aliens lawfully admitted to the United States as refugees, aliens lawfully admitted for permanent residence, or aliens performing active service in the U.S. United States Armed Forces. So wait a minute, so you've got some foreigner who's, who's, who's in the military, they give birth to a kid and that kid's American? No. I mean, if you're performing service to the military, we really appreciate that. But that's not that's not citizenship. And my question is, how how do aliens in our military uh, swear an oath to the support and defend the Constitution when it doesn't cover them? Well, I don't know if they thought about that. <laughs> that little tidbit. How about refugees? Refugees having kids here, uh, unless they're permanent residents, they're going home after a certain amount of time. So they don't deserve to uh, get citizenship either. Now, can we rescue refugees? Can we take them away from a horrible situation? Sure. Got no problem with that. But they don't become citizens. They don't stay here unless they apply to be immigrants like everybody else. Can they apply within the United States? Hmm, probably. I don't see why not. Um, but uh, first of all, well, maybe they should go home first and then apply. That would make more sense. So refugees should not be a pathway to citizenship. Serving the armed forces should not be a pathway to citizenship. The only pathway to citizenship is lawful immigrants invited to the United States who get a green card, live here for five years without being a pain in the butt, and then they can uh, apply and go through the citizenship process. That is it. Back to the bill. Section 3, findings. Congress finds the following. One, naturalization is an exclusive power of Congress, as stated in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4 of the Constitution. The Congress should have, should have power to, quote, it shouldn't have said should. It should say shall. If Congress should have it, it means it doesn't have it now. So that's just bad English. <laughs> okay. Congress should have power, quote, to establish an uniform rule of naturalization. It should be a uniform rule. That's, just, that's bad grammar, too. So let's, let's take a look at, I'm going to try a different constitution. The one I'm reading is, is too hard to find stuff because it's beautiful, but it's big. Uh, looks like Pianchi wants to join us. All right, so hang on just a second here. Let me uh, bring him on as I'm looking up my, uh, my stuff. 
So are, are you enjoying my commentary on, on Matt Gates' bill? Yeah, by the time it become a bill, it, it won't be recognizable anyway. But you know, you made a statement about refugee. Refugees should seek refuge at the adjacent country, not come clean to the United States. Well, that's political. No, I think you're thinking of political asylum. So, like, I know we had Honduran refugees that came here because of an earthquake. I don't know if the next country would would be able to help them or even want to. But what I'm saying is they can't stay here permanently. They're not. uh, Well, even if they, even if there's an earthquake, uh you go to the adjacent country where it's. if, if my roof starts falling in, I don't run clean up to Chicago. I go out in the street where nothing can hit me in the head. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, I mean, think about it. Uh-huh. Why everybody want to run to the United States and stay? Well, this is where the money Guatemala, the whole big Cyprus. Yeah. If you, no. if you, if you, this is where the money yeah. is. That's why they come here. You know, it's like uh, when they well, asked yeah. – um, uh, was Clyde Barrow, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, or one of the, or, or um, Jesse James. I've forgotten, some famous bank robber. So why do you rob banks? He says, that's where the money is. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, why do, why do illegal aliens come here? This is where the money is. So if we cut off the money, we'll stop them coming here. I mean, that's a huge part. Yeah, right, just let's like take you a, say the uh-huh. Constitution don't deserve, you know, interpret, you just read it. Just read it. Read it. Exactly. Interpreting, to, to interpret is to change. So if you're interpreting English into French, you are changing English into French. Does it translate exactly? No, because French, French doesn't have equivalent words that English has. Same way if you went from French to English. There are subtleties of meaning. There are things that are, that are in the language that cannot be translated directly. That's why you don't interpret. You have to be a native speaker. You have to learn the language. If you want to communicate exactly in French, speak French. You cannot translate to English and then back to French and have it mean the same thing. It just doesn't work. And the, but that goes for any language. In the same way, if you interpret the Constitution, you take Constitution and you try and interpret it and put your meaning on it, you're changing it. And the Constitution is it's not allowed like, to change uh, except by amendment, right? It's just like you get you talk about the Ten Commandments. Uh-huh. The Ten Commandments is a plagiarization of the 42 declarations of innocence that come out of ancient Jesus. Like you say, thou shall not kill. Right. Well, when they're individual went to be judged, he said, I have not killed, not thou oh, shall not, which a lot of people oh. the next day. So, so it's a declaration, not a, um, not a standard of behavior. That's interesting. Yeah. It, it, each is it, 42 of them. It actually was 144. Uh-huh. And uh, it said that I have, see, when you go to be judged, you're being judged on what you have done, not what you may do from the point you leave here. Mm-hmm. So it said, I have not rather than thou. So it was plagiarized and changed, and King James made a Bible because he wanted an English Bible for English-speaking people. But when you yeah, look at where the originality comes from, it comes out yeah. easy. Yeah, but it's, oh, that's interesting. But still, the King James is an interpretation of the original uh, original language. See what else it looks like Warren Sturgis again. Too. Just read it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, so so Warren's on the line too from New Orleans. Wake up. Good morning, Warren. Um, let's get back to our article here. Oh, we called you a black racist yesterday uh, in live chat just to let you know. All right. So let's get back. But that's, that's pretty standard for Warren. He does that a lot. So here we go. So he says naturalization is the exclusive power of Congress. Um, no. Uniform rules. Rules are the exclusive 
power of Congress. Naturalization, I don't want to have to, I have to think about that. Anyway, let's just go with what the Constitution says. The Congress should, he says, Congress should have the power. It doesn't say that the Congress shall have the power. <laughs> you know, in fact, in fact, the, the uh, let's, let's, I think he's made a mistake here. Let me check Article 1, Section 8 again. I got a, I got a nice big book here from, uh, who, who made this one? I got a bigger copy now. John Birch Society. Yeah, great copy of the Constitution. All right. Article 1, Section 8. This is where all the power of, of the Constitution really is uh, for Congress. Section 8, Article 1. It says, the Congress shall, doesn't say should, it says shall, have power to, and it has a bunch of things, one of which is to borrow money on the credit of the United States. That's the one we're deleting. Uh, and then it says, Congress shall have the power to establish and, it does say and, uniform rule of naturalization. So the only thing that Congress can, has to do with naturalization is to have a uniform rule. So in other words, you know, it's, it's the same for everybody. The states cannot make their own rule for, for citizenship for the United States. Now, whether the states can make rules for the citizenship of the state, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I don't think it's ever been asked. But as far as the Constitution goes, the, the United States, the federal government, the Congress can make one uniform rule for people being admitted as citizens of the United States. And that actually makes sense. Because I don't want 50 different states creating U.S. citizenship, uh, but it'd be interesting if the states created their own citizenship. Do you know anything about that, Bianchi? Have the states ever created their own citizenship beyond U.S. citizenship? No, it would be interesting. Well, because the 14th Amendment, you know, actually makes it automatic. If you're citizens of the United States, you're a citizen of the state in which you reside. So we don't actually have to, but it'd be interesting if there are other criteria. Whereas the... Um, the, the corollary to that, the opposite of that is if you're not a citizen of the United States, then you're not a citizen of the state in which you reside. So which makes me wondering why you're residing there. But that's another story. Why is you're a permanent resident? All right. Then he goes back to section. Then he comes the next thing he, he in their findings. He says the phrase subject to the jurisdiction thereof, as stated in the Immigration Nationality Act, references the same statement found in section one of the 14th Amendment and carries the same meaning. And this is the this is how many times have we talked about this, Bianchi? 20, 30 more talked about this one phrase in article four in the 14th amendment it's been a well it's been a lot but it's interesting that yeah, a lot of times, is, yeah. yeah but we've been talking about this for years and gates is only picking it up now this is what i find interesting but he focuses on the one phrase that we focused on and the bill that i gave him five years ago i find this interesting he says the phrase subject to the jurisdiction thereof, as stated in the Immigration and Nationality Act, references the same statement found in Section 1 of the 14th Amendment and carries the same meaning. The phrase subject to the jurisdiction is a legal term of art. Well, that's interesting. What's a legal term of art? Derived from concepts related to a limited jus soli, which is one of those Latin terms again, and understood by the drafters of the 14th Amendment to have its basis in English common law, which in turn has its base in Roman law any sense to you, Pianchi? Well, it sounds like rally around the flag. No, it, it sounds like gobbledygook. Basically, like a bunch English of common law, English and Roman law. Yeah. Well, that's great, but it sounds like a bunch of nonsense. Well, it does. It's confusing. Yeah. Well, here's, here's, here's our bill. So let's go to our bill, Revoking Anchor Baby Birth Fraud Citizenship. Written January nineteenth, twenty eighteen, by me. <laughs> okay, uh, and, and uh, I, have a, I have a paragraph from the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, just give this quickly. I'll, I'll start. So I won't read all three. He says, "What law requires birthright citizenship? Is automatic birthright citizenship for children of all legal and illegal aliens expressly required by the U.S. Constitution?" On its face, the answer is no. 
No language in the Constitution specifically addresses how the children of foreigners must be dealt with regards to citizenship. 14th Amendment confers citizenship through, quote, naturalization or by birth to parents, quote, subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, but provides no guidance on or on when an alien is to be regarded as subject to U.S. jurisdiction. That's actually wrong. I, I should probably take this out of the bill. The next question is then whether any statute enacted by Congress specifically directs the granting of citizenship to children born in the United States, to illegal aliens. Again, the answer is no. So there's nothing in the Constitution, there's nothing in statute that requires this. Then it says the executive branch's birthright citizenship policy, 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 is not based on any federal regulation. One might say the practice has become policy without becoming law. So it's bad enough when regulations become law without a vote of Congress. This isn't even a regulation. This is a policy. This is something, this is made up. Now, I don't agree with the exact wording of this, um, but basically what the article says is correct from the Center for Immigration Studies. That's Mark Rickman, smart people. They said there's nothing in the Constitution that says illegal alien children born on U.S. dirt become citizens. There's nothing in law. This is illegal aliens born on U.S. dirt become U.S. citizens. In fact, there's only a policy, and that policy can't be traced to anything official. Interesting, huh? Now. Yeah, it is. Let me complicate it a little further for you. Current law. So this is directly from our bill. You can look it up. In fact, I, I posted on my Facebook page right there in front, right at the top, revoking anchor baby birth fraud citizenship. So I get to current law. I always do that. I'll have an introduction to a bill. I have current law, then I have our law. Current law, INA, that's the Immigration and Nationality Act, Section 301, Nationals and Citizens of the United States at Birth. Section 301, 8 U.S.C. 1401. So that's U.S. Code, Title 8, 401, 1401, Section 301, says, the following shall be nationals and citizens of the United States at birth. A, a person born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. So they actually got it right, right? So where did they make their mistake? They made their mistake by creating a policy that's not what it means to be subject to the jurisdiction thereof. And what they did, what the left always does, is they take the first part of the bill and forget the second part, the part that makes it meaningful. They just look at a person born in the United States. That's the misinterpretation. Make sense? With me so well, far? Well, it's deceiving. Yeah. It's deceiving what they do. So you know the old saying, devil's in the pudding. You mean the proof is in the pudding? The devil's in the detail, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, well, the devil is in the details is a correct statement. The proof is in the pudding makes no sense. Why would you put proof in pudding? <laughs> Maybe to give it color. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a set of questions. I'm sorry, Pianchi. The correct quote is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. It comes from Shakespeare. Now, now it makes sense, right? So it could be the proof of anything. Did they have jello so another... pudding back during these times? No, there was no jello anyway, back Anyway, let's then. get back to the bed. <laughs> But the point is that the proof, you know, eating proves whether the pudding is good. Same thing. So proof has to be proven to be good before it's proof, right? It has to be acceptable proof. Okay. It, has to be, it has to be real proof. So in other words, the proof of the pudding. If you, if you eat pudding and it tastes like crap, okay, you've proven that your, your pudding is bad. You've proven that your proof is bad. You've proven that your law is bad. If the law stinks, 
if the law tastes bad, like bad pudding, <laughs> you know, then, then that's your proof. But to say the proof is in the pudding, what, did I open it up and take a look? Where, or is it in the middle there somewhere? <laughs> where, where am I going to find it? That's why that statement is so nonsensical. And very few people, except for me and a few others, actually point that out. All right. I must have got sleep last night. I, I like you. Today. I have a problem with this word policy. Ah, tell me. Policy, policy and rules. I have a problem with it. I don't know why they put that in there. But uh, it need, I think it needs to be taken out. It's just like this interpretation bit. You just read it. You don't have to interpret Just read it. Mm-hmm. What does the stop sign say? Stop. S-T-O-P. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, in this society, it means stop. Maybe yeah. in another society, maybe turn left. I don't know. Or maybe it means slow down and take a look, but it doesn't really mean stop. But see, the left would say, well, it doesn't really mean stop. It depends. You know, it depends on the weather. It depends on the, you know, on a clear day, it probably means go ahead, you know, because you can do that. It, you know, at three in the morning, it doesn't mean stop because nobody else might be there. So, so that's, that's an interpretation. So this is actually, that's a really good example of what interpretation is. So let's interpret the sign stop. So I might interpret to say, okay, stop means stop when there's other traffic. It doesn't mean stop when there's no traffic. There's no reason to stop because there's no other traffic. I'm interpreting the meaning of the sign stop. Now, a constitutionalist would look at the stop sign and say, it says stop, period. That's it. Doesn't matter the conditions. Doesn't matter the time of day. Doesn't matter the weather. Doesn't mean what kind of car you drive. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter any of those things. That sign says stop. Therefore, you stop to comply with the law. And so if it was a stop well, sign in the Constitution, does that make sense? Long, if they stop for how long? Okay. Minutes, that's an inter- 10 minutes. All right, but that's an interpretation. <laughs> exactly. Now, yeah. we can, now, that's where regulations would come in. And so the, if, if the Constitution had a provision that said stop, this is actually a really good example. If the Constitution had a provision that said stop, that's it. You have to stop. So then a law would come in under the Constitution. Congress would say, okay, we'll stop along. Let's put some criteria to this. And then the, the president, you know, under executive orders might have a little finer tuning. This is how we're going to enforce what the Congress decided was involved in a sign that says stop. Make sense? But the yeah. regulations. And the regulations are there. The regulations are usually in this case, in municipal uh-huh. law. Yeah. The regulations well, do better define what stop means. Right. right. So you, you would go to your driver's handbook. You would go to your DMV driver's handbook. So. The state passes a, a law, uh, says we're going we're to allow stop signs. The, the county passes a law, here's where we're going to put the stop signs. The DMV writes in the handbook, this is what you do with stop signs, based on the law from the state legislature defining in the vehicle code what you do with stop signs. Now, is anybody interpreting at that point? Not really. Because stop means stop. If stop meant something else, then they'd be interpreting, and that's when they get in trouble. So let's go to the Immigration Act. I'm sure Marco's fast this conversation. <laughs> we'll find out in a minute. All right. So the original law, excuse me, the current law, this is all it says. The following shall be nationals and citizens of the United States at birth, a person born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. So technically they've got it correct, but they don't give enough information to people. So I wrote it a little bit differently. I wrote the Immigration and Nationality Act, Nationalization Act, I should say Nationality Act. I think I, I goofed on that one. I'll fix that. Section 301.8 U.S.C. 1401A is amended by adding language to clarify the subject to the jurisdiction thereof clause. Clause A will now read, A, 
a person born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Subject to the jurisdiction thereof means persons not subject to the jurisdiction of any other nation through citizenship in any other nation, nor owing allegiance to any other nation. That would, of course, be like military and stuff. No illegal alien in this nation, nor subject to or of any nation or foreign power or entity. It means every human being born within the jurisdiction of the United States of parents not owing allegiance to any foreign sovereignty. All nations have jurisdiction over their citizens and therefore responsibility for their citizens to whom those citizens are subject to the jurisdiction thereof. No child born of parents from a foreign jurisdiction can have jurisdiction within the United States, even if born on the soil or within the boundaries of the United States or its territories. All such persons born of parents with foreign jurisdiction on the soil of the United States shall be the responsibility of such foreign nations and shall have no claim of U.S. birthright whatsoever and under no circumstances to citizenship of or from the United States, regardless of where or by what circumstance they are born. Does that pretty much clear it up? Well, it gets to the point. <laughs> I try to cover everything. This is, this is Part B. I'm not going to go into that now. Let's get back to, Ga- to uh, Gates' Law. So, now, does that make more sense than what he says? The phrase subject to the jurisdiction thereof is a legal term of art derived from concepts related to a limited jus soli and understood by the drafters of the 14th Amendment to have its basis in English common law, which in turn has its basis in Roman law. Which explanation makes more sense to you? Obviously, this is a loaded question being on my show. <laughs> well, yours do because the commonality of the words, the language you use is more recognized in everyday life than uh, what Gates is using, uh, corresponding yeah. to Latin and Roman language. Yeah. So this is why our bill is better, because our bill spells out. There's nothing in that language that I just read, even though it's a fairly long definition. There's nothing that's hard to understand. It's very direct. You are a citizen of the United States if you are subject to our jurisdiction. Subject to our jurisdiction means this. means not being subject to anybody else's jurisdiction, regardless of how the circumstances of how you were born, on U.S. soil or not. There's nothing complicated. It's long. It's a long definition, but there's nothing complicated in it. There's nothing hard to understand. There's no, there's no weird words. I don't use uncommon words. I don't use Latin. I don't use legal, you know, mandamus or certiorari or any of those other words I had to learn. None of that's in there. But that's the difference between citizen legislation and this, this stuff that they write for Congress. Well, you probably need to denounce the citizenship where they come from. Well, now that's different. Before they denounce it, they, they would have no they have no status. You know, in other words, denouncing actually becoming a U.S. citizen pretty much renounces the citizenship of your foreign country, as far as the United States is concerned. It's kind of weird. So, so as a, as a uh, I'm a Canadian-born naturalized American. As far as Canada is concerned, once a Canadian, always a Canadian. That's cool. I can get a Canadian passport. Well, people do this and keep both passports. They keep the passports of their country uh-huh. to get back in and have a U.S. passport to get in and leave. U.S. passport to get in and leave, their country's passport to get in mm-hmm. and leave. So that's where uh, 
Yeah, I could do that. I could leave the United States on my U.S. passport and go into Canada on a Canadian. I don't have a current Canadian passport, but I've had them after I became a U.S. citizen because I was curious. You know, Now, Canada recognizes that I'm a naturalized American, and they recognize that I was a Canadian born. So to them, I'm a natural born Canadian. I can still have a Canadian passport. I can go to Canada anytime I want. I can move to Canada anytime I want. No big deal. Canada, I, I was born there. Uh, you know, they accept that. The United States doesn't recognize that. The United States only recognizes that I'm a U.S. citizen, that I have no allegiance to any other country. And quite frankly, I don't. I don't have allegiance to Canada. I just really like the place, you know, even though they're in trouble right now. But I, I don't – my allegiance is not to Canada. That's the whole point of becoming a U.S. citizen is my, my – 100% of my allegiance is to the United States. That's what it means to become a citizen. You, you, you leave your previous citizenship. You, you become part of this country. Now, does that mean I don't recognize my Canadian citizenship? Does that mean I don't like maple sugar and maple syrup? No, of course not. <laughs> you know, do I sometimes talk with a Canadian next day? <laughs> I do, but I'm American. That's the difference. All right, let's get on to what else he says, because this is kind of weird. Uh, he, this is section four. Bartolos de Saxoferrato. <laughs> I don't know who wrote this. I got to find out who wrote this, this stuff, right? So this is, this is actually in a bill. This is in a bill before Congress, right? Bartolos di Saxiferranto, a 14th century Italian and one of the first legal scholars to study the Roman concept of acquisition of citizenship. Jeez, he's going back a long way. <laughs> Civitas, no, hang on. Civilitas, civilitatis. This is, this is the Roman concept. Okay, let me try that again. I'm not good at Latin. Civilitas civilatis. As deduced from the corpus juris civilis, that would be the body of, of uh, jurisdiction, I guess, determined that a Roman citizen by birth, civis ab origine, was one who had been born within the territory of the state and to at least one parent who was already a citizen of the state. Okay, we've got pretty much that same definition, right? An Ameri- if, you, if you're born to an American parent, regardless of where you're born, you become an American citizen. But in Rome, they said born within uh, the territory of the state and to at least one parent. So we don't have the, we don't have the land, you know, because in those days, uh, people didn't travel as much, I don't think. So it made sense that you had to be born within Roman territory. But Roman territory at that time was most of the world. <laughs> so I don't think it really applied. But here, uh, like John McCain was a natural-born American citizen who could run for president because um, – but he wasn't born in the United States. He was born on a foreign military base like Spain or Italy or something like that. His parents were stationed overseas. And now, whether he's born in an Amer- American military base or a local hospital, it doesn't matter. He was born to American parents. That's what gives him a citizenship because his parents were subject to U.S. jurisdiction, not because he was born in Italy or Spain or wherever he was born. Make sense? Yeah, he was born in Panama, I think. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, and the point is, though, that uh, that just because you're born on U.S. soil doesn't make you a citizen. That's really what this is all about. And people are saying yeah, that you are born right. on U.S. soil. And, and yeah, the right. reason why I come, you should, they want to make you the uh, State Department request you give up your citizenship where you come from mm-hmm. in case of time we ever go to war against that country. Well, also, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, if as a Canadian – you know, I go serve in the Canadian military. I lose my U.S. citizenship. It's gone. That's why I was hoping Vindeman, you remember Lieutenant or Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Vindeman, you know, got a job offer to be the defense uh, secretary of Ukraine. I wish he'd taken that job because we could have stripped him of his U.S. citizenship because he was born in Ukraine. 
he's a naturalized American. He's, he's not natural born. So if he accepted any job in the Ukrainian military, we could take a citizenship right away. I'm still hoping. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the bill. All right, so here we go. So number five. In the earliest known ca- uh, case to articulate justice in England, Calvin B. Smith, uh, it uh, was agreed that the statuses of, quote, subject and alien were determined by whether a person was born owing allegiance to the sovereign, as indicated by the Latin phrase ad fidem regis. Regis would be the king. Fidem would be, I guess, faithfulness. Uh, I'm just guessing here. But what's interesting is that British, when they talk about subject coming from common law, British are known as British subjects. Right? Not citizens. The subjects. The subjects of the crown. That's why they don't have free speech rights. That's why England doesn't have the same rights we do. British citizens, because they're not citizens, they're subjects. So it, so it makes sense that if you take subject to the jurisdiction from English common law, a subject would be a citizen. So you can substitute the word citizen for American law and say citizen. Sub, sub, uh, as a subject to U.S. jurisdiction, citizen of U.S. jurisdiction. In other words, a U.S. citizen. So you're not subject to our jurisdiction if you're not a U.S. citizen. That's, that's, that's actually interesting. That's kind of useful. Well, that's a good part of this bill. Okay, Gates, you got this part right. Shall I continue, or do you have a question? He's thinking. I'll continue anyway. No, I don't have a question. Okay. Number six, Sir Edward Koch, one of the judges decided Calvin's case, extrapolated one exception to Jus Soli, writing, but if enemies should come into any of the king's dominions and surprise any castle or fort and possess the same by hostility and have issue there, that issue is no subject to the king, though he be born within his dominions, for that he was not born under the king's ligarage or obedience. In other words, subject to the jurisdiction thereof. So, the, so he's going back to English common law to show that in England, you know, if you're born in England, um, but you weren't one of the king's subjects, you weren't subject to the king's jurisdiction, you weren't a citizen. That's quite interesting. Then he says, but by the, but, uh, the time of his birth, uh, us, this is, but the time of his birth, us of the essence of a subject born. For he cannot be a subject to the king of England unless at the time of his birth he was under the ligage and obedience of the king. I think I read that already. All right. Then he says, whether a person at birth is under the ligage, and that's L I G I guess it's probably license, L I G E A N C E, and the obedience. Uh, in other words, yeah, in other words, the jurisdiction thereof, to the sovereign, which would be the king, is not determined by whether his foreign parent is subject to the territorial jurisdiction of prosecution as any foreign enemy, marauder or bandit, would be subject to the law of the land when captured, but instead whether his parent is present in the territory lawfully and permanently, not only voluntarily availing himself to the jurisdiction thereof, but doing so with the consent of the sovereign. Okay, so this, this, this actually is really good. Um, it just takes a little bit of playing with. Whether a person at birth is under the ligance uh, and obedience. What it means is, is that if you run into a country as a marauder or a bandit or an enemy, bandit, excuse me, if you come into a foreign country, if you come into Britain as a foreign enemy, a marauder or bandit, and you have kids, they're not citizens of England. They're not subject to the king. So in the same way, if you're an illegal alien, if we take English common law and apply it to the United States, if you're an illegal alien and you can run, if you're an enemy, a marauder or a bandit to the United States and have a kid, that kid is not an American citizen either. That's what, that, that's what he's saying. 
Makes sense to me. This is actually a good part of the bill. I kind of like his history. I hadn't read it until now. So he got that part right. You'll see where he got the bill wrong, but his, his historical background is actually really interesting. I wonder where this came from. Where do, who do you think wrote this? I wish they put the writer on and the researchers. Well, he may have wrote it, but like I said, it has to be clearance. Well, uh, except that legislators don't write their own bills anymore. They haven't for years. Somebody wrote this for him. I'm just curious where. If I ever get him back on the show, that's my first question. Who wrote this, this historical? Because it's actually really good history. I'm, I'm learning things from it. The problem is he didn't apply the history to his bill, which you'll see later on. This is where I had the problem. Then it says number eight, Senator Howard. Now we get to the 14th Amendment. This is the good part. Senator Howard, when proposing language to be included in the 14th Amendment and making reference to English common law exceptions, clarified his intent that citizenship should not conveyed to everyone born or present in the United States. When he stated, this will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States, but will include every other class of persons. So in other words, the 14th Amendment, one of the authors, Senator Howard, said very clearly, 14th Amendment does not include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, who belong to families of ambassadors or foreign ministers. So in other words, the clear intent of the 14th Amendment was that, or was not, that if you're born on U.S. soil, regardless of who your parents are, you become a U.S. citizen. That is the exact opposite of the 14th Amendment, which says you're only born, you're only conveyed citizenship uh, if you're subject to our jurisdiction through your parents. That's pretty clear. I don't know why that gets so misinterpreted. And most people don't understand that. My liberal caller, I argue with her. Remember when uh, we used to have our, our liberal caller, which went by several names? She'd scream and yell, the Supreme Court said... And all this other kind of nonsense. I said, yeah, but it's wrong. The Constitution says this. The Constitution's over the Supreme Court, fortunately. Section 9, Senator Lyman Trumbull, a key figure in the adoption of the 14th Amendment, said that subject to the jurisdiction of the United States meant not owing allegiance to any other country. Well, we said that a bunch of times, so that's where I got it from. 10, owing allegiance to the United States and being subject to its complete jurisdiction means being not subject to any foreign power and excludes those only temporarily present in the country, whether lawfully or unlawfully. So in other words, tourists and illegal aliens are not under our jurisdiction. Well, if they commit a crime, that's different. But as far as citizenship jurisdiction, they are not under our citizenship jurisdiction. Number 11, the 14th Amendment's framers intended to give citizenship only to those who owe their allegiance to the United States and were subject to its complete jurisdiction, primarily the newly freed slaves who were lawful permanent residents. 12, the 1866 Civil Rights Act further clarified that the 14th Amendment did not apply to temporary visitors or those who remained the citizen or subject of the parent's home country when it stated, quote, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and not subject to any foreign power, excluding Indians not taxed, are hereby declared to be citizens of the United States. Let's check, I'm going to check that one again. Do you know why he's doing this? Do you know why he's doing all this history, Bianchi? I, I think there's a really good reason for it. Why would he do all this? Why is it? Because he's basically pre-countering all the leftist arguments. Every one of these statements is an argument that the left is going to make against this bill. And he's already pre-defeated those arguments. That's why he's doing this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what, this, that's what you have to you have Oh, to. he's a smart guy. He's no dummy. I mean, he's, I really you know, like what he does. I just wish he'd be on the yeah. show. 
And I wish he'd taken our, our bill because I think our bill is stronger than his bill. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you have to contemplate your the other side's moves. And like you say, they left us do that. They create new definitions, new words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard me argue with somebody, especially Warren and some of the other folks that call the show, or, or in print or on Facebook or anywhere else you see me, with like really, you know, pretty cogent articles, the uh, arguments that you think, wow, gee, how do you make that up so quickly? Well, I didn't. I mean, I think about these things months ahead of time. Yeah, that's where they come from. Well, there's people that call your show that have more legitimacy than the names you miss, but you're absolutely right. Uh, that's what happens. Yeah, and that actually, it goes with people I agree with, too. You know, the, the mo- a lot of the arguments that I have on here are things I've thought of a long time ago, and they're just sitting in my head ready to go. You know, it's like ammo in the chamber. <laughs> Which one do I fire? Um, I want to go over this again because this is, this is interesting. The 1866 Civil Rights Act. So the Civil War was 1860 to 1864. Okay, then we had Reconstruction. So 1866 is two years after the Civil War, just to put it in perspective. I don't think people know we had a Civil Rights Act in 1866, two years after the Civil War. Yeah, one That's, in 1775 also. Uh-huh. Yeah. So civil rights is a long tradition in this country. It didn't, it didn't suddenly happen in 1964. So the 1866 exactly. Civil Rights I'm sorry, go ahead, Pianchi. No, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, I said exactly. You're right. Oh, well, you can always say that. I appreciate it. <laughs> the Civil Rights Act, 1866, further clarified that the 14th Amendment, which was probably written in 1865 or 4, and it came right after the Civil War. But it says it further – so this obviously came after the 14th Amendment – clarified that the 14th Amendment did not apply to temporary visitors or those who remain citizens da da And then it says uh, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and not subject to any foreign power, excluding Indians not taxed. I don't know why it says Indians not taxed. Why is that significant? Because Indians who are taxed are are citizens of the United States? What does that mean? No, the Indians were were sovereign nations. Right. I didn't. Well, Well, it says excluding Indians not taxed. Were the Indians who were taxed? Well, those that worked for me, I didn't tax them. I didn't take. I didn't tax them. Oh, really? For for native, for American Indians? That's interesting. Okay. Anyway, but it says uh, excluding Indians not taxed and here are hereby declared to be citizens of the United States. So all persons born. So what it says, excluding Indians not taxed. So Indians not taxed are are declared to be citizens. I get, oh, so, oh wait, hang on. I gotta figure this out. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and not subject to any foreign power, excluding Indians not taxed. So are they saying so the subject to the jurisdiction clause does not apply to Indians not taxed? I guess it would. So Indian not so what they're saying is Indians not taxed are also citizens of the United States. And citizens of their of their nation of their Indian nation, right? No, it was citizens of their Indian nation. That's why it was dealt with different. It was dealt with by a treaty. Early so why on. they ex- so why they excluded from the uh, subject of the jurisdiction clause then? Well, they subject to the jurisdiction of their of their tribes. It's, it's that way today in in those territories. Okay, but so that wouldn't be a foreign power. Bureau, that would just, that would just be Bureau, Bureau of Indian Affairs. 
<laughs> right. yeah, the highway patrol is from a, a, a creek in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. They call, and it's something serious, they call the authority there in its tribe that comes howling. Wait, wait, so if I get pulled over, can I pull out my Creek Tribe card and say, hey, I, I want to go to Creek Court? You know, I do. I have one. I was made a member of the tribe. Yeah, I got one. Huh. But that would be another discussion. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> we'll say that another day. But it looks like, though, because American Indian nations are not foreign. They're within the United States. Now, they're not the United States. They're independent nations within the United States. But they're not foreign powers. So that would why, that's probably why that exclusion is there. That would make sense. Here we go. This is the next part. American Indians and their children did not become citizens until the Congress passed the Indian Citizenship Act of 1924, which would have been redundant if the 14th Amendment extended citizenship to every person born in the United States, no matter what the circumstances of their birth or parentage. There we go. Since the inception of the 14th Amendment, the Supreme Court has never interpreted the 14th Amendment to extend birthright citizenship to the children of any class of individuals who are not citizens themselves or lawful permanent residents. Well, that's interesting. See, the background on this is very good, but the actual bill is not. So that's, that's the part that I read before. Uh, so it says the inception of the 14th Amendment, the Supreme Court has never interpreted the 14th Amendment to extend birthright citizenship to the children of any class of individuals who are not citizens themselves. So what that means is the Supreme Court has never misinterpreted the 14th Amendment. They, they've never passed a, they've never made a, a, an opinion saying that there is birthright citizenship to non-citizens. That's important. So that preempts that argument. Well, the court said they're citizens. Well, no, they didn't. 15. Congressional intent and understanding of, this, uh, its, uh, of its inability to legislate naturalization within the original public meaning of the 14th Amendment is clear and apparent as evidenced by legislation. Congressional intent and understanding of its ability to legislate. Okay, so, they've, so Congress has legislated naturalization, but, I don't, but Congress has never passed a law saying that illegal alien children are U.S. citizens if they're born on U.S. dirt. Remember, that, it's like we, remember we went over that thing earlier with the Center for Immigration Studies. There is no, nothing in the Constitution, there's nothing by the Supreme Court, and there's nothing in Congress. There's no law passed by Congress that allows for birthright citizenship. It's simply a policy made up. This further confirms it. 16. Well, done. it has always been a contention. Uh-huh. You know, the 14th than... coming in the court decision in uh, the Dred Scott case. Uh-huh. And it couldn't apply to people that was already born. You can't take things back in the history. So those people had to die out and apply for anyone that came along after the ratification. Huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, here's another part. The current concept of unqualified birthright citizenship is inconsistent with the history and meaning of the 14th Amendment and has been granted far too broadly in recent decades enabling fraud and civilizational altering levels of immigration. Civilizational altering, that's interesting, levels of immigration spurred by persons who have illegally crossed our borders to obtain citizenship for their children under the misinterpretation of the 14th Amendment. That is key. That is incredibly important. So he's really answering all the, he's really pre-answering all the arguments he's going to get. That we have Civilizational, in other words, American civilization has been altered through levels of immigration 
spurred by persons who have illegally crossed our borders to obtain citizenship for their children under the misinterpretation of the 14th Amendment. What that means is all those citizenships are a mistake. Now, the question is, and we haven't gotten to the end of it yet, the question is, have we, has he gone far enough or is he going to go into correcting those citizenships already given or is he going to say only future citizenships? If he says only for future births, that's wrong. But since it was a misinterpretation, since this has gone back decades, there should be a provision in this bill that corrects all those citizenships that were mistakenly given, right? Well, if you go home and look at your bank statement, it's got $3 million in there. You know nothing about it. Did you get the key? No, you don't. You don't get to keep it. That's, I, made that, I made that example earlier. That's the whole point. If you go to your ATM and, and, and punch in $200, I guess it's like the maximum of most of them, and you get $200,000 out of your ATM, do you get to keep it? No. That's a mistake. <laughs> you know, in fact, the bank will come after you when, once they find their mistake. In the same way, if citizenship is mistakenly granted, well, we have to correct it. That's going to be corrected for millions of people. That's going to be really interesting. But that's what we have to do. Number 17, the United States is one of the few developed nations that currently grants automatic citizenship. Yeah, by mistake. So I'm going to skip that. Unqualified, number 18, unqualified birthright citizenship provides a strong incentive for illegal immigrants. He says, what a jerk. Illegal aliens. All right, and we know about that. Illegal immigrants who crossed into the United States to give birth often return to Mexico, sending their children across the border daily to attend American public schools. Oh, that's interesting. Crowding out American students and taking advantage of American tax dollars. That's Plyler v. Doe. The Congress needs to overturn Plyler v. Doe. That's the case we've said. That said that uh, Americans have to, uh, you know, pay foreign aid to illegal alien children, educate them in our schools. But uh, let's see. And then he said, so that part's good. Number 20, apprehensions of persons attempting to enter the United States illegally at the southern border of the United States surpassed 2 million. Okay, so here's a question for you. Why is it illegal for people to cross into the United States illegally, but it's legal for people who are in the United States illegally to give birth to American citizens? That's that's irrational. Well, it's a misinterpretation. Yep. A lot of times it's done under a scheme or deliberately. I mean, we know why it's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I this... say that uh, if you're going to take on the citizenship of the United States, you have to renounce your citizenship where you were under the jurisdiction of another flag, another mm-hmm. country. Right. Many people don't want to do that. Yeah. He talks then about uh, birth tourism. Unqualified, this is number 22, unqualified birthright citizenship has enabled an entire black market. No offense, Bianchi. Estimates show that birth tourism results in 33,000 births to women on tourist visas annually. That's actually pretty small compared to the the illegal alien births, but it's still a problem. And hundreds of thousands of more are born to mothers who are illegal aliens. There we go. Or on temporary visas. All All these folks have to have their citizenship corrected back to their home country. Talks about birth tourism industry is rampant in the United States, yada, yada, yada. Government Accountability Office, Government Accountability Office has found fiscal impact of providing public benefits to illegal aliens. Yeah, millions. Let's see if we got a number here. Oh, here we go. The estimated cost of providing AFDC benefits to children of illegal aliens was $479. Is that a million dollars? It's half a billion. No, wait a minute. $500 million for 1992. Yeah, it's half a billion dollars. 
And that's in 1992. It's probably a lot more than that. And so of the five states that account for almost 80% of the illegal alien population, California provided the most benefits. Oh, here we go, $2.9 billion. Uh, I think he's got his numbers wrong, $479 million, and he's got $2.9 billion. Okay, I'll, uh, and we'll get the numbers later. All right, let's go to Section 4. I'm almost done with this. I still want to play my, uh, my interview, which might run a little bit long, because I want to go over our two bills. I've been over one bill pretty much already. The other one won't take long. Section 4, clarification of the birthright of birthright citizenship. Section 1, oh, here we go. This is the actual law. Section 101 of the Immigration and Nationality Act, 8 U.S.C. 1101, sound familiar? That's where I got it from, right? Is amended by adding at the end of the following. For the purposes of this Section 301A, the term subject of the jurisdiction means with respect to a person born in the United States that the person was born to a parent who is at the time of the person's birth, a national of the United States, a refugee, an alien lawfully admitted for permanent residence, or an alien performing active service in the armed forces as defined in Section 101, blah, blah, blah. The amendments might be this act shall be on or after the date of enactment. Okay, so here's his bill. Let's let's get the original. Let's get the original law. So let's go to the original law. Current law. Section. Well, I have section 1401. I don't know where he gets 1101. Section 301, 8 U.S.C. 1401. The following shall be nationals and citizens of the United States at birth, a person born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. That's current law. That's what it says. Matt Gates wants to extend that by saying, for the purposes of Section 301A, the term subject to the jurisdiction thereof means. So he's actually giving, after it says subject to the jurisdiction thereof, he says what it means. With respect to a person born in the United States, that the person was born to a parent who is national refugee, alien lawfully, in other words, a permanent resident, or serving the military. That's his extension. I think he's wrong uh, on a couple of those counts. So the person is where he says, subject to the jurisdiction thereof means with respect to a person born in the United States that the person was born to a parent who is at the time a national of the United States, which is basically the current law, a refugee, I think that's wrong, an alien lawfully admitted yes, no. for permanent res- Yeah, let me just finish these four. So you got a national, in other words, parents who are national, you got national parents or citizen parents, uh, refugees, uh, permanent residents, and military service. I think two of those are wrong. Let's go through them one by one. Obviously, a national of the United States is the correct one. You're born to an American. Your, your, your parents, one of your parents is American. No problem. Second one, your parents are permanent residents. They've been admitted to the country legally and have green cards. No problem. That's where you should have stopped. Well, if they're admitted to the United States and have green cards, but that don't make them citizens. No. But you, can, but you can give birth to American citizens as a permanent resident because the government yeah, has but it should be after you do the conversion. The conversion is not automatically. Well, that's a good question. Maybe I should check that out. I may have to check that out. Can uh, – I mean, I'll have to look that up. Can green card holders give birth to Americans? Well, they probably can under the misinterpretation. That would be a question for Gates. I'll see if I can ask him that myself. That if you're on a green card, can you give birth to American citizens? I think you can. Because you've been admitted into the country legally as a permanent resident. Now, well, it's people with visas are admitted into the country legally. But not permanently. Visas go home. People on visas cannot well, get birth to American citizens. What's that? They can renew it. Well, yeah, but they're still not under our jurisdiction. They're still under the jurisdiction of their home country. 
of the citizenship country. See, um, and here's where I think the distinction is. And it's a good question you're asking. But a permanent resident is under, is subject to U.S. jurisdiction because the government has accepted them as permanent residents. And they have all the rights of citizens except voting and serving on a jury. So, so permanent residents are covered by the Constitution. They are, they, are a, they are a complete citizen then. No, they're not. Green card, no. holders, green card holders are not complete citizens. So then we'd have to clarify that uh, although aliens are subject to the jurisdiction, they are not full citizens and therefore cannot give birth to American citizens. I'd have to look that up. Let me, I mean, we'll do that another time. I'll, I'll probably have that for uh, tomorrow. But that's a good question. So let, me, let me put a big big star note to myself here. Ambassadors in, ambassadors in the country illegally, too. But they kids born here are not citizens? No, they're not. So, so can permanent residents give birth to American citizens? And I have to find a source that's not going to have the best that, well, everybody born on U.S. dirt is a U.S. citizen. Give birth to U.S. citizens. That's so the dumbest thing, thing you ever want to hear. But I think he's wrong in military. Let's, let's pick the easy ones. We're going to take a break and I'll play a little jazz music. I may I'll play the rest That's of my the case. She gets on a flyover in, 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 at JFK. Uh-huh. And she go into labor, pop the baby. Is the baby a citizen? And no. she go on about a business? Well, well, we already said mean. that. what they're trying to oh. say. Not a, are you talking about a permanent resident? What are you talking no. about? No. The fact that they say if you if you give birth on the soil, well, what about people that's on flyovers in the airport? Depends where it's going. Once it's in, if it's heading for the United States in international airspace, I think uh, I think I don't know. I mean, that, that's a good question. Of course, yeah, once it lands, on where they going? They they come out internationally, land in jail, JFK, then they take domestic to the city of the of arrival, the city of destination. So that don't make mm-hmm. the kid a, a citizen. Well, I think under the misinterpretation, they're, they're, they're giving citizenship. In other words, if a baby's born on an it airplane be heading for the United be States. House rich. House rich. They say it's not. Right. Okay. So I agree with you there. But what I'm, I just want to do with Gates' law right now. So Gates has four criteria, which he calls subject, under the subject of the jurisdiction. The obvious one, nationals of the United States. The one we're questioning right now, permanent residents. But here are the two that I think are easy to dismiss refugees and people serving in our military. Why would you give refugees, kids, citizenship? You shouldn't. Refugees are here temporary. Whatever, right. whatever they're running for is, is straightened out or it's safe to go back home. And they really shouldn't be here unless they're coming from an adjacent country. For that status. Agreed. If you're coming from yeah. a 1,500 miles, hell no. <laughs> How about uh, Caribbean islands? Would you consider that adjacent? Well, the Caribbean islands are under the jurisdiction of the United States. Not really. The Monroe Doctrine, isn't it? Well, Monroe, I agree. Yeah, so the Monroe Doctrine would come into play there. But it's not technically under our jurisdiction. Like uh, the Bahamas is an independent nation. They got their independence from Britain a while back. Jamaica. Jamaicans still operate under the Commonwealth, don't they? No, they're independent. Jamaica's an independent nation. Are they? Yep, so okay. they make that money from Britain, and I think a lot of the British law still applies there. Same thing with Bermuda. Bermuda is a separate, is an island nation. 
So the Caribbean islands, uh, the Bahamas is a country uh, made up of several islands, but you've got a lot of independent islands. I think uh, the like the the Windward Islands, St. Lucia, St. Thomas, St. Martin, those are Guadeloupe, Martinique. I think those Guadeloupe, Martinique vote. used to be French. What's that? They can't vote. No, no, I'm not even. I'm not talking about voting. But what I'm saying is they're independent nations, but they still can no, come yeah. to us directly as refugees. So in other words, if there's a hurricane in Martinique, I think they can come directly to the United States. Because there's no country yeah, between us and them. Uh-huh. Yeah, so ref- it's just like if you're if you're shipwrecked five miles off the coast of Georgia, uh-huh. well, you don't go to New York. You just paddle up to Georgia <laughs> yeah. and seek some refuge until stuff gets together. Yeah, yeah. So just to sum up before we take another break, and I'll play a couple commercials and uh, maybe some music. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I need shorter musical selections. Anyway, um, Gates Bill. You, you, Beethoven's fifth <laughs> you, you want to hear Beethoven? I got Beethoven's fifth. I got a minute of Beethoven. I'll give you a minute of Beethoven. Absolutely. I'll give you at the end of, uh, of a couple of commercials. Yeah, I can do that. So, Bill is correct. That citizen subject of jurisdiction applies to American citizen parents. He's got that right. We're questioning whether it applies to permanent residents. Maybe yes, maybe no. It's probably being done misinterpreted. Uh, but whether that should be in there. I th- I tend to agree with you that it should that a permanent resident should not be able to give birth to American citizens. I think I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the two that we think th- should be thrown out are a refugee, and the last one, active service in the military. Why should you get citizenship if you're if you're doing active service in our military? And a better question is why do we have foreigners doing active service in our military? I don't want foreigners in our military. Well, you military. know where that comes from. It's when you go into other countries. And you have language translators, and you promise them citizenship. Just like when yeah, you uh, evacuated Vietnam, so you had yeah. Vietnamese that came with them. Uh huh. No, I, I understand that. Yeah. See, that's that was. Uh, now that's yeah. We have Afghan translators that were left behind too, that were promised all kinds of things, and we brought in a whole bunch and of people. That might have been done treatment. Well, some of them were killed, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So that, that's an issue. All right. So that's, I guess that's what I was thinking of, like, foreign people serving in our military in, in this country. That makes no sense to me. But it says an alien performing active service in the armed forces. So that would have to be us in a foreign country, where we probably shouldn't be anyway. So I, I need to look into this one a little bit more. But if someone who was promised citizenship because of military service, you know, especially at their own risk, yeah, I can see that. I'll have to look more into that. Anyway, those are the problems I see with the bill. Um, your points. Well, I, I agree with the things we threw out there so far, and uh, Gates do have some discrepancies that uh, need to be kicked out in his. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll be sending him the show. I'm going to send him the show and send him an email. Um, Marco made a comment. Um, how can I say this very simple and short? No. Is that is that to a previous comment? Oh, oh, he's got to probably respond to more. Okay, I'm not going to worry about it. Let me play a couple things. Be right back. And it is now 8.50. And so we'll go over my one bill quickly and one. The other one's kind of short anyway. Um, so we'll get done. And then i got a fun interview to play for you, my interview with Kyle Werner on the Imogene Theater. Back in a bit. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans. 
had her on Action Radio and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Thank you. 
So, yeah, I didn't think I had Beethoven's Fifth, did you? <laughs> or have you heard it on our Wednesday shows? Piaki? That's good. I had my feet tapping. <laughs> well, and I don't know if folks know this, unless you listen to the end of the show, but I play a classical musical selection uh, at the end of every show. So Monday we do Moonlight Sonata, Tuesday we do Rossini's Marriage of Figaro, Wednesday we do Beethoven's Fifth, Thursday I do the William Tell Overture, and Friday I do the um, the Eighteen Twelve Overture. So let me just play Fridays, because it's fun, and I'll get back to uh, the regular stuff. So this is how I end the show Friday. Especially when they did their pieces uh, associated with Clint Eastwood's movie Hang yeah, yeah, and so on. I've actually those put those on great. Facebook. Uh, Danish Symphony on uh, uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and some of the other themes. They do, they do a real James Bond theme also. So the Danish Symphony has some real fun. Anyway, um, I played music all my life. I, I started, you know, five years old playing piano, which I hated. Uh, gave my first uh, recital at six with a bunch of other kids. Hated that. <laughs> Did what? You know, apparently, I, I totally screwed up the beginning of uh, one of the songs. So I started. I went, looked disgusted, started over. <laughs> you know, so I, I had kind of like staged, you know, presence even back then at six years old. Um, but uh, that's what legend has. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I've been playing ever since. But uh, I love classical music, and so a lot of times the, the, when I play rock music, a lot of the uh, uh, scales and versions, different things that I do, are, are classically based and also jazz based. You know, a lot of times I'll play uh, like uh, Benny Goodman would play clarinet, you know, and solos that I do on guitar are similar to uh, big band solos because that's what I grew up with. You know, Benny Goodman, Harry James, you know, Count Basie, Duke Ellington, uh, just, you know, wonderful stuff. And so a lot of times I'll sound like a like a jazz player. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I don't know the jazz chords, but, you know, but I'll put things into rock and roll. That's why my solos sound so different than anybody else's because I have all these different uh, things coming into it. Anyway, let's get back to uh, yeah, it's the, as long as you don't get in, get into any trouble. But uh, I like those, especially like we mentioned the Danish uh, Symphony Art. Well, I can't play that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't play that on the air because it's copyright. Can you play them? No, I can't. It's copyright. Otherwise, I okay. would. But I can put it on my Facebook page. Just go, just go the Danish, go to YouTube and just go to the Danish Symphony Orchestra, and you can pull up their. Yeah, they um, on YouTube. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're easy to find. I can't play it on the show, but I can put it on my Facebook page. But I don't have a YouTube license for a copyright license for the show, and I have to pay for it now. These classical pieces, their copyrights have all expired, 
And so there's no, there's no copyright violation. These come from a copyright-free music source. I'm going to have to pay for the, the specs. Cause, but all the sound effects, all the different things that I do here, everything from uh, you know, God's telephone ring to the news type to the, the classical music to the backgrounds for all the things that I do, all that comes from um, a site called Storyblocks. And you pay for it. Mm-hmm. One of many things I pay for to keep the show going. But that's how I make all the things I make. You know, I'll put a, uh, I select a, a musical background. They've got thousands to choose from, and it's all copyright-free. And so you take your music selection, which means you can use it, right? So then I can add stuff onto it. Now, once I make it, now it's copyrighted, okay? So New Normal Church and Grocery Store, any of the productions that I do, on top of background music, that's now copyright. Nobody can put, play that without giving me credit and paying me. That's the difference. But I, I do not violate well, you copyright on this NFT, NFT of your uh, of you, and uh, it'd be worth money. So nobody can use it, but you, whoever you authorize. Well, yeah, my stuff's, already, there, my stuff's already copyright because I made it. I mean, my name's on everything. Yeah, you know, we, so the, 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 that's copyright automatically. You know, but my book has an official copyright because it's registered with the Library of Congress, has a Library of Congress number. It's a good book too. Oh, thank you. All right, let's get on to the, the last thing I want to cover, and I want to do this in 15 minutes, and then I will play our, our last interview. And that actually takes us up to 10 o'clock, so we're going to finish on time today. So February 1st of 2018, before I wrote the other act, I wrote the Citizenship ID Declaration Act. Now, that title's not the best. So I'm just going to read you what this is. This is the better bill. So a Gates bill is very limiting, just getting, getting rid of, uh, um, in other words, interpreting the 14th Amendment properly is what his bill should be called. This bill is much more comprehensive in terms of, of getting rid of illegal aliens and making their lives so miserable they will go in waves across the border out of here. Citizenship ID Declaration Act, February 1st, 18, by me. The national security, national economy, voter integrity, and citizen safety are all dependent on making it impossible for illegal aliens to live here. To accomplish this objective, all of those events listed below in this act will require proof of American citizenship, proof of registered alien status or proof of temporary current visa status in order to participate. The goal is massive illegal alien self-deportation due to life in America as an illegal alien being impossible because illegal aliens will be unable to participate in the events below in the list of activities. If it is impossible to stay because you can't do anything here, if you are an illegal alien, your only choice is to leave. No rounding up, no massive law enforcement expense, and no daily life disruptions for those who can participate. Paragraph two, individuals are already required to present government photo ID for a huge range of activities, all of which are verified by government, law enforcement, and lawfully by private individuals in business when you present your ID for something you want or have to do. All that is required for compliance with this act is for individuals to present the same basic government ID, usually the driver's license, that people present every day for for many uh, of these same events and other events already. The citizenry, citizenry won't be impacted at all. The people aren't changing anything in their normal course of affairs. Third paragraph, what will change are the IDs themselves. Both the state driver's license with photo and the state identification card with photo will have on them in large, bold, red type, the block letters printed declaration, U.S. citizen or 
registered alien, the only declaration on a driver's license or state ID will be the classification of an extended work visa, such as H-1, on an expiration date where the declaration on the driver's license or state ID would be, for example, quote, H-1 visa expires, and then you put that in, and the expiration date would be on the ID. This would greatly facilitate all interactions with law enforcement because when they ask for a license or ID, they automatically know the status of the person without even having to ask. Since citizenship is not a private or protected status, and since everyone has to declare their citizenship at the border, both leaving and returning to the United States, to have it declared on a government photo ID does not violate any law or any part of the individual rights of the Constitution. If it did, there could be no U.S. passport. It can also be presumed that anyone living in the United States without a driver's license or state ID card, except for tourists, visitors, and other legal classifications, is in the country illegally. So basically what that says is, uh, I may have to reword that a little bit. On your driver's license, it would say U.S. citizen or registered alien, if you're a permanent resident, or visa, H-1 visa with an expiration date. They'll go right on the driver's license. Next paragraph. This enforcement of, the enforcement of this law will be such that for activities listed below, all business persons uh, offering the good or service has to do uh, let me read that again. All the business person offering the good or service has to do is confirm that the identity is correct and the status of the customer is U.S. citizen, registered alien, or visa type with an expiration date in order to, to offer the good or service. All the government agent has to do is verify the identity and that the person is declared a citizen, registered alien, or visa holder. Failure to ask or confirm by any person or person subject uh, public or private for any activity listed below that the idea is of the person holding it uh, current and not expired and that it clearly declares citizenship, registered alien status, or current visa status, such person or person shall be subject to severe fines and imprisonment, the exact terms to be determined by Congress. Okay, I got more technicalities here, but basically that's what it does. So it says that for the following list of activities, you have to be a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident, or a visa holder, you know, with, with the expiration date. And that that is right on your driver's license, okay? So that's all the, the verbiage, because I try to be comprehensive in the, in the reading of this stuff. Questions so far, Jackie? No, this sounds good. Okay. Yeah, of course, it can so, so, right now. Ahead. Yeah. No, it's so good the, right now, but. Okay, so here's, so here's the list. So in other words, in order to participate in these activities, you have to declare your status. So this says, this section is the Citizenship ID Declaration Act list of activities. In order, I'll read it right from the bill. In order to participate in any way in the events listed below or as required by any of the events listed below, everyone shall present their driver's license or state ID card with photograph with proper declarations per this act of citizenship, registered alien, or current visa status for any of the following. Now, of course, if you're an alien or a current visa holder and you can't do any of these because of that status, it's different. And I don't know those exceptions. Um, but at this point, it basically applies to citizens, which is most of the country. There aren't that many registered aliens. There aren't that many visa holders compared to citizens. So if you want to do any of the following, you present your ID card, your government photo ID, with your citizenship or declaration right on it to do any of the following. To vote in any form or register to vote, to register a car with the DMV, to rent a car, to open and maintain a bank account, to get and keep a credit card, to get a commercial or private bank loan or mortgage, to open an investment account, to enroll a child or adult in any 
elementary school, high school, college, graduate program, vocational school, or any academic or trade school to own or rent property during all routine traffic stops by law enforcement, during any law enforcement proceeding, provided proof, provided proof can be brought in a reasonable time to a police station. You might not have it with you. To serve in the military. To work in any capacity for any government or private sector job. There's E-Verify. To get a business license to open a business. To be certified to operate a truck, bus, boat, or airplane. So you've got to be a citizen to operate these things here. To purchase a firearm, but such checks shall not register the firearm or owner. To pay taxes, receive a tax refund, or be issued an ITIN number. In other words, you can't be an illegal alien and get this stuff. This changes that whole program. To, go, to start a new phone contract. To send, here's the, one of the big ones. To send money in any form, e.g. wire transfers, outside the country. To receive money in any form from any foreign country. To receive any form of public assistance, including but not limited to food stamps, Section 8 housing, welfare, WIC, any cash awards, government job training, or any other grant or subsidy. To receive any public health assistance, a.k.a. Obamacare. To purchase health and car insurance. To serve on a jury. Although, like I said, we know the exceptions on that one. To receive any publicly funded health care except emergency care. To receive Social Security, Medicare, or any other service, entitlement, or retirement plan. To do any of those things or receive any of those things, you have to show your government ID with your status, citizen, permanent resident, or visa holder. That is how you make life impossible for illegal aliens. You don't let them do any of those things, and you can't operate in this country. That's well, how you make them self-report. ITN number mm-hmm. is subjected to the discussion because ITN is basically for people that's here – for instance, like migrant workers who can't get a Social Security card, well, uh-huh. they can get the ITN number so that you can have tax withheld from the pay that you're getting. Yeah. So this might have to be – this is a good point. And this might have to be reworked a little bit because what we're talking about here is um, – is because, in fact, Bonnie has a bill that she's working on that says illegal aliens cannot pay taxes. And they can't. Because they're not they're not subject to our jurisdiction, they're not citizens. So, you know, they may be working here. Yeah, they, yeah, but if you're working here in this country, you're gonna they gonna you're gonna pay taxes. Yeah, but as a if foreigner, you're working legally, you're gonna pay yeah. taxes. Well, but yeah, she's doing illegal, as, so I understand what she said. Right, illegal aliens. But in other words, if you're doing work yeah. in this country, you, as a foreigner, that would be okay. I mean, that, then you should pay taxes on that. But you can't. Res- in other words, you can't file a a, a ten twenty form. Is it ten twenty? Yeah, you can't file you can't file a tax return, okay? If you're if you're an illegal alien, so that this might have to be reworked. Again, these bills aren't perfect, but that's as we learn more. I wrote, don't forget, I wrote this back in 2018. <laughs> a lot of I've learned a lot. But that's time. good. What you, but that's the yeah. way to do it. You draw a lot of things out there, mm-hmm. then you go through them and you start the deciphering, <laughs> which would apply more effectively to what your overall purpose is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in other words, it, so you take the Citizenship Declaration, ID Declaration Act. So, you, so on your ID, you declare your status. That's basically what this bill does. So it says that um, you have to declare your status because it's not public. I mean, it's not private. There's no secret. Citizenship is not a secret thing. Okay? Because you have to declare it coming and going from the country. You have to, your passport declares your citizenship. This is a, and the passport is a public document. Yeah, you don't have to give your number to everybody, but in other words, the fact that uh, if someone wants to see it in a foreign country, you have to show it to them if, if they're a government person. You know? And so it's, it's, a, it's a, a public document able to be viewed 
It's not a secret document. <laughs> you know. Anyway, so the point is that you put your status on your driver's license. Now, this might have to be done by the states. This might be a state bill as opposed to a federal bill. Or, it might, or Congress may demand it like they demand a 21-year-old drinking age. I don't know. We'll see how it works out. But the point is, on your driver's license should be U.S. citizen or permanent resident or visa holder with your expiration date. Because people on visas can drive here. I have no problem with that. But they can't stay here beyond their, beyond their visa date. And this would be a way with, for law enforcement to go, oh, your visa's expired, so we're going to uh, seize your car. <laughs> you know, we're going to do this little asset forfeiture here, and you'll get the, you get the value of it on your way out of here. You know, when you're, when you're proving to leave the United States, we'll, we'll send you a voucher. <laughs> you know, something like that. But in other words, but this is what it basically says. So to make it simple for everybody wondering what I'm talking about, Let's see what Warren, I wonder what Warren said about this. He's got to make a comment on here somewhere. Well, I guess he's left us. Too bad. But the basic concept of putting your status on your driver's license, any problem with that, Pianchi? No, no problem with that. And I thought okay. we were talking about the, I thought we were talking about the birthright citizenship and not racism and slavery. <laughs> what? You throw it. We sound like Warren. What are you, are you upsetting my argument? But this is. But this goes to birthright citizenship. So in other words, the way to weed out illegal aliens, you know, is to is to have citizenship proven. So if you go to a hospital, you know, without a without an ID declaring that you're a citizen, then your kids should not be made, not be given citizenship papers. Now, illegal aliens can't go to hospitals and get emergency medical care. So if illegal aliens in the country illegally you know, they can get their medical care. They can have their kid born. But that kid would not be a U.S. citizen because when, when, as soon as their ID is checked, and they don't have one, <laughs> you know, um, unless they got a fraud one. But, uh, you know, but uh, they won't be given citizenship. So it actually does apply to birthright citizenship. Ooh, it's a good escape. I like that one. But the whole point of this, and this is what I would add to. So this, I would add this to the birthright bill. So in other words, the two of these work together. So birthright bill says you're not, a, you're not a citizen just because you're born here. You're only a citizen uh, if you're born to U.S. parents. That's what that bill says. This bill says that your ID is declared, your citizenship is declared on your driver's license or a government ID. And if you don't have it, uh, you can't do any of these things. Vote, register a car, rent a car, get a credit card, bank account, start a business. I got uh, a question. Division. Yeah. Suppose a woman is a U.S. citizen and the male that impregnated her is illegal. Uh, then if the baby's born, that baby would be a U.S. citizen. As long as one parent is a U.S. citizen, then you can transfer citizenship. Okay, well, you, you stipulate that. Well, yeah. One parent has to be. Yeah. Now, could she then also you know, press charges for rape? Absolutely. Well, suppose you, you're you a U.S. citizen one in another country mm-hmm. and you're a female and you give birth to a baby that's of the, uh, the male is of the a citizen of that country. Is that, is that baby U.S. citizen? Is that baby uh, a citizen of the country? Or does it have to be declared at birth? Good question. Uh, let, let's see if I can get it uh, straight. I've got a call here with a block number. And generally, I don't take block numbers, but I may screen it. Um, if, if It's probably Warren. Warren, why don't you call back from a, a number that's not blocked? 
Well, don't break if you don't, if that's your policy. Why you're breaking it? Oh, that's a good question. Well, because it might be somebody else. It's, it's an unidentified number. I'm yes, just saying it was yeah. Warren. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to put him in the air. Oh, yes, it is Warren. Procedure. Okay. Yeah. If you got a procedure, no. then um, utilize that procedure. Well, that's okay. So yeah, so I should. I think you're. Yeah, you're right. So my policy is I don't like to take block numbers. But Warren has identified himself that that's him on the line. And he says, you have not asked Pianchi about uh, his comments. No, I haven't, because you called him a racist for no reason. It's, we've, already, we've already been yeah, through that. I'm I'm I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah I, he says, you're a black racist. And he said that yesterday. Warren, I don't have to deal with that. Come up with something different. Why don't you talk about what we're talking about today? Which it's is what the rest of this is Once they break the rules, the rules is broke, right? Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I, I, ha- I have screened. The only reason I would screen the call is to find out who it is, because that same block number is also the Skype line. So it could be an international call. Yeah, I'm saying that. The person revealed their hand. Well, now I know it's Warren. Yeah, so so Warren, just call back on a regular number. But I want to take a call anyway, because I want to play my interview. So we've got about 45 minutes left, so this will work out perfectly. Any questions on either the citizenship ID bill or uh, our birthright citizenship bill or Matt Gates bill? No, no questions right now. Okay. Well, let me uh, take a quick break, and I'll come back with uh, something kind of cool. Uh, so did I just I just took a break a little while ago? Actually, I don't have anything left to take a break. Well, let's just go right into it then. <laughs> this will be kind of fun. Um, let's, let me play a more, more classical piece. I'll get you another quick one here. That'll be kind of fun. Do, 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 do. That was too long. Uh, Here we go. We'll play this one real quick. Then we'll come back with our interview. So we've had uh, some very serious stuff here. And Warren, I simply, that's Scott Joplin, exactly. The, the Entertainer Rag. Yeah. Yeah, I've got uh, – I might do more. I might play one more often. It's kind of cool. Anyway, so these are the things I play at the end of the show that uh, I guess most people don't hear. Uh, Warren, I'm just going to take your call another day because I know we get involved, and I simply just don't have time for it. And you don't want to talk about our relevant topics today. So I'd just come back another really day. Like to give, you What's know, that? You give nonsense a lot of attention, don't you? Um. I'm gonna let you. Two you know, talk you've, you've been banned on Facebook, right? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Why you think he's doing it? If they ban you thirty nine, if they ban you thirty days, they ban you to the minute. Have you ever noticed that? If you have, they ban you to the minute. They tell you you got five minutes left before you unban. <laughs> Actually, a lot of times I'll have they ninety stick to their suspensions. Rules. I'll uh, I'll have ninety day suspensions that only last like twenty days sometimes. So they 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 have cut it short. Yeah, you know, well so they I, stick to the rule. 
No, they, 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 they've cut it short. No, they have. I've got, I've, 90 day suspensions have been over in 20 days. Your driver's license is suspended 90 days. It sticks to the rules. It ain't no 20 well, days, true, yeah. 90 days. Yeah, okay. So, again, the exception is if somebody else had called, if it was a Skype line or something like that, I would have to screen it. But it's Warren. And like yeah, I said, I don't, don't want to get you guys. had been a guest, could the guest stay on and listen? No, probably not. All right, I'm not, I I got this. I want to have some fun, and we've we've had enough. You and Warren, well, you know, it's it's a Should you not take it serious? Oh, he hasn't threatened me. Or even if they threaten uh, Wendy, he's never uh, has Warren threatened Wendy. I don't think so. No, I'd say if somebody, as an example, was to threat Wendy, she should take it serious. Well, I, I take it seriously. It was a threat to me. I mean, I got five hacks on my website already. <laughs> I, I take that very seriously. Fortunately, it was working today. And it's still working. All right. Let's, let's leave this for now because we don't have that much time in the show. And we're going we're gonna to run a few minutes overtime now anyway. So what I did, so what I want to talk about, uh, I want to play an interview from Kyle Verner about our wonderful gene theater here in, uh, in Milton, Florida. And the reason I picked this one today, first of all, CJ's not here. So she's off this week. Um, but what was uh, fascinating was I was at the uh, theater last night. Joel Rubin, who's our state representative, who's a doctor in Navarre, one of our, our real COVID heroes, was against all the government policies really early in the whole program. Uh, he also has a rock band. It's not bad. I think I'm going to make a better one, but his is not too bad. Anyway, the manager at the time, Kyle Verner, when I originally did this uh, interview back in 2017, um, was fabulous for the theater. We had amazing acts. We had B.J. Thomas. We had Leanne Womack. We had the Milton High School Jazz Band. We had all these different folks come by. Tony Pasco, local superstar guitar player with his band, and some jazz groups, Dixie groups, different groups that come through there. Uh, and it was fascinating. And I don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. You know, and I was explaining earlier, like, like I disappeared from WEBY when they fired me. Uh, they didn't explain anything. They, I was just gone. I was just off the air. And I still run into people it's like, where did you go? <laughs> you know, and uh, um, it was really quite interesting. And we got, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, if you read live chat, it looks like Warren and Mark are, are having an interesting time. So I'll let you guys talk. And I'm going to play my interview. But it's really about this town. It's about Milton. It's about, it's about this classic theater. Uh, it's about the arts. And I had such a fun time last night, you know, while I was there with uh, Joel's rock band. Um, that I, I went home and practiced. <laughs> so I actually left it kind of early. Uh, put a video on Facebook. So if you want to see it, it's on my Facebook page. So go to Greg Conglis. You can catch up the Imogene or the Action Radio video page. I have it there as well. Um, but uh, certainly I'm going to have a video when we do our group. But let me play you an interview with Kyle Verner, who was just, just talking about historic districts in general, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. This is from uh, June 23rd. June 23rd of 2017. So I got there in March. So this is like four months later. So I got four months of radio experience when I did this. So I was getting better. <laughs> but there's still some snaps and things like that. So let me play it. And I'll be back at the end a uh, few minutes uh, after 10. Here we go. Oh, one last thing. Any reference to WEBY or phone numbers other than 215-383-3832 are from the original recording and didn't apply to my, my show here at Block Talk Radio. All right. Back in, a, in quite a bit. <laughs> Friday on the Action Radio Hour, so we're going to kind of uh, stick it easy, have some fun. We've got uh, Kyle Verner 
uh, in the studio here. You are the either director, manager, or both of the Amagene Theater. Wh- which one are you? Uh, a little bit of everything. You, you run the place, basically. Yes, I manage the building for the Historical Society. Okay, so let's get in that just a bit. I want to give a quick church update. Uh, if anybody wants to call in that their church is coming to our, our celebration Sunday at 6 p.m., you know, please feel free. Anyway, number 623-1330, area code 850-623-1330. We already had uh, Bill Broach and his church check in. Let me see if I can see what that one was. Uh, All Saints Church is coming. Uh, the three churches are First City Church, uh, Echo Life Church, and Legacy House are coming to our, our Save the Cross service this Sunday, 6 p.m. at the Bayview Cross in Pensacola. All right, back to you, sir. So, so how did you get involved with this theater? Uh, it's, it's an interesting... Um, I have a friend who um, lived, had moved from Atlanta down here. Okay. And through mutual friends, uh, I heard about... Milton and I heard about the Blackwater River and the Riverwalk and started looking at it on uh, Google Earth. Okay. And I thought, wow, this is kind of a cool back, you know, kind of a cool area. And and uh, and earlier in my life, I had been involved in a a uh, restoration process of an old historic district outside of Oklahoma City. And oh, tell me about that. How, what did you do there? Um. I was in the advertising. I had an advertising agency there in Oklahoma okay. City and a television production company there. And I had a client, um, a Mexican food restaurant called Cafe Olay, moved into this area called Bricktown, which was an old, dilapidated, rundown down like warehouse. factories, something like big warehouses, yeah, huge, bricks. Okay. Yeah, huge brick, red brick buildings. Kind of like downtown Milton. <laughs> Similar, a yeah. little smaller. Okay. Um, uh, but... You know, as I went in and started working with this this client, you know, they they experienced the same kind of things where the the restaurants and the different businesses would be busy during the day, right? But at night, it would just die off, yeah, because people would work downtown and then head that head back out, and and we discovered what we really needed were events and things going on to bring people down there and for them to realize that it was a safe environment, it was a good place to bring their kids, it was a cool place to come and hang out. So I started doing events and. Okay. Concerts and different kinds of events, and um, ended up on the board of directors of the Bricktown Merchants Association. And the city of Oklahoma City got excited about what was going on, and they they threw their support behind it and financially. And w- they had a one cent sales tax referendum that raised a significant amount of money. And okay, we have those here too. <laughs> sometimes, uh, <laughs> at least they've tried, yeah. and um, and it really blossomed and it's okay. it, it really took off and uh, the, the now the triple a team for the la dodgers plays baseball in downtown in bricktown sonic okay. drive-ins is headquartered in bricktown and it's become one of the top 10 entertainment districts in the country oh wow you did that yes i helped that oh, okay that was it certainly wasn't just yeah. me by myself but i played a, a big part of that yeah. and and what I saw was, um, you know, part of the the process that we went through in Oklahoma City was we created a water feature because water always attracts people. What's a water feature? You know, a pond, a lake, a, you know. So you didn't have a lake there. You actually put in a lake? Or we actually, the North Canadian River runs beside Oklahoma City. And okay. So they dammed up the North Canadian River and brought the river, actually removed a city street and brought the river up into, into Bricktown. Very cool. And uh, they spent, you know, close to a hundred million dollars to okay. do that, 
And what I saw was, you know, here's the Blackwater River. Wait, I'm thinking of this. It's too. already there. Yeah, and it's and gorgeous and it's cool and it's unique and it's slow moving and it's it's just a beautiful river. Yeah. And I thought, wow. And then the river walk was there, even though it wasn't really being used. And, right. And I thought, man, all of the infrastructure, all of the assets are there. And I kept hearing about, when I was here on my visit, I kept hearing about the Imogene Theater. Yeah. And I'm looking around, you know, where where is it? Well, it's that big brick building there. Right. And um, I, fortunate enough, I got a tour of it. And it's just an, it's an amazing building. It's so cool. It's so historic. And, and I just fell in love with it at that point. Yeah. And I have kind of a, well, I didn't help out with a, with a breakdown, but I have kind of a similar story in that uh, when, I, when I got uh, the job here at WEBY, I'd never been to this area before. I'm thinking, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, gee, how come it's not in Pensacola? Why, why shouldn't you know, be there? And I'm thinking, that's the big city. That's what, that's what everybody knows about. So I kept saying for a while, I was moving to Pensacola, even though I was going to be hopefully living close to the, 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 the station in Milton. And, and then I get to Milton, and I see this unbelievably beautiful historic area with so much potential. Absolutely. You know, you've got this, the theater, you've got uh, one of my favorite places, you know, Boomerang Pizza is really cool. Because, I mean, where else are you going to get a chicken Thai pizza? Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is good stuff. And all these things are happening. You've got little restaurants and things, but there's so much more that you can do. You've got this, this you know, river right there. You know, and you've got, um, I, I go to the, the bands on the Blackwater concerts a lot of times, but you have events usually right after those sometimes too, right? Often. Like, what's, do you have something tonight? Yes, tonight we have a uh, murder mystery dinner theater. Oh, that sounds, tell me about that. I want to know. It's really cool. It's a group called the Improbable Cause Murder Mystery Theater Group, and they're out of Pensacola, and okay. uh, Nicole Dixon is kind of, she kind of runs it, and it's a group of performers, okay. professional actors, and they come in and um, do about a two-and-a-half-hour show where they uh, create a... It's kind of like the game of Clue, but it's in real life. So the audience participates. Oh, absolutely. The okay. audience is big-time participating. And they present the case. There's uh-huh. a murder that takes place. During dinner? During dinner. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, that must be interesting. And it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's really fun. And then yeah. they, pre- they begin to present the evidence. Oh, and the, okay. the audience has an opportunity to examine the evidence, to, in, to interrogate the potential suspects they can they can absolutely so they can be colombo oh absolutely okay. and then you know they keep going through and they they keep presenting more evidence and right. more opportunities and then people you know really get into trying to figure out who it was and because you know there's a number of suspects okay and then if it at the end um if you if you're uh, smart enough and capable you figure out who the killer was and right. then you you win prizes and whatever and it's it's a lot of fun and then you have a really good meal that okay. that you get to enjoy and some beverages of your choice alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages and people really you know it's a great social environment because people are talking about the the different evidences and you get a chance to hang out and oh, get listen, to know all the people. crime shows on TV everybody wants to be a a detective oh yeah CSI I mean, is, going on while yeah you know, this is fun it, it's a really cool time okay. this is the third time that we've done it and okay. it's really growing and uh, we're excited about it do you have more seats available tonight uh, yes okay. um, you can always come at the door okay. uh, unfortunately we've had to shut off because it's a dinner uh, we've right. had to already place our order with a caterer okay but you're welcome to come and sit and and participate you just can't have dinner. Dinner, but yeah. uh, we're always welcome to 
Well, let me know next time you have one so I can, you know, sort of announce it ahead yeah. of time. We can get people uh, there. My experience with the Amagene, I, I used to walk by it when I first moved here, and I'm seeing these, these kind of funky little windows and things, and you got uh, some old memorabilia there. And then this really nice woman, uh, one day when the place was open after a concert, right. Right, I've been here maybe three weeks, right. invites me in. We're just talking, having a great chat. And she says, uh, by the way, I think it was her aunt's 50th birthday. Yeah. And says, why don't you come to the party? This person doesn't know me. She's <laughs> just super nice. I'm oh, you're talking about Kimberly. Yeah, Kimberly yeah. Ewing. It's well, I don't want to give too many names yet, just in case I don't want to embarrass anybody. <laughs> but it was just, they were really just super people. Right. And here I am, a stranger at somebody's birthday party, being welcomed in, you know, chatting away and having a great time. And this is how nice this area was. This is yeah. why I absolutely fell in love with this area, because yeah. people are just so sweet here. You don't see that in a lot of places. Right. And so I'm looking around, and you've got like this big vacant lot next to you where you could put something. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the courthouse, which I'm hearing they want to try and move that. You know, you could have upscale housing, you could have hotels, you could have... Um, um, you know, different kinds of restaurants here. You could do festivals. We've got a brew pub coming in. Yep. I've talked to them. They're going to be on the show, the, the Brew Angels. Brews, uh, Brews Angels. Brews yeah. Angels Pub. Yep. They're going to be, as soon as they open up, I want to get them in here because I love craft beer. Yep. You know, in fact, I'll probably be hanging out there, too. I'll do, like, <laughs> like talk show hour. You know, like Sunday afternoon talk show. So all these things are going on. This town has so much potential, which shocks me that they now have this endangered historic district, you know, kind of thing. Can you, can you tell me a bit about that? Then we'll get into the history of the Amagene. Well, what little I know about it, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about. I know okay. that there is a uh, historic trust, and they look at different areas of the of the state. Okay. And they examine, and, and you, you can apply to be put on the historic trust. And what it basically does is it just calls attention to the fact that your areas could be potentially endangered um, due to circumstances that are surrounding it. Okay. In our case, in in the city of Milton, um, there's been a discussion going on for numbers of decades about the widening of Highway 90. Yeah, I think and it'd be a crime personally. I think I, I like it the narrow lanes, and if we can get the big trucks away from it, right. slow people down, have them come through the town, right. uh, have more things for people to do, really develop that downtown center. Keep because you've got two lane bridge, right? So it should be two lane. Free, I would actually extend it two lanes about a mile further. Right. I would take out lanes, right? You know, and make it a, a commercial center, and maybe they have to divert traffic somewhere else or just go to I-10, which isn't that far away. Right. You know, there's ways to do this, but make this a you know take it from an endangered you know historic district to a working viable like Bricktown, like you're talking about right. in Oklahoma. Let's make it a viable, let's have it live up to its potential because the potential's there. Absolutely. I mean, I can see it, you know, and so I want to, you know, see if we can go from where we are now to, to that and the Amagene, I'm sure, is going to be a part of that. It, it is, and, it, and we want it to be. Okay. Uh, it's, it's my goal. It's the goal of the historical society that owns the building for it to be the hub of uh, downtown. Okay. Okay. And, it, and that's what we need is a hook. Right now, you know, the restaurants, uh, Boomerang Pizza, the Bistro, or the Hook. Bistro's got a nice menu too. They yeah. do. They yeah. do a great job. Glenn and yeah. his comp- and his group do a great job, and yeah. uh, and people enjoy going there. Their porch is fun to sit on. It's a really nice. Oh, a couple area. of guitar players when I was there yeah. last time. A couple of guys, acoustic country yeah. stuff. It was great. It's a it's a nice place. The menu is yeah. good, um, and they do a great job of serving you. And the Boomerang Pizza is the same way with mm-hmm. their uh, retro little retail store up front. Yeah, you get you can get fudge, antiques, and pizza all in the same all place. in the same place. <laughs> And, and Deb is, you know, she's amazing. She studied underneath uh, Deb uh, Becker, who owns the, the Boomerang Pizza. She studied under the seven-time world champion pizza maker, and they use nothing but fresh ingredients. And oh, it's, wow. it's a really high-quality product. Yeah. So there's a lot of 
momentum. There's a lot of great things down there. Um, you know, there's all there's been these issues that have existed for decades. The whether the courthouse should leave or stay. Yeah, yeah. You know, whether the road should be widened or or not widened. Is that contributing to the the characterization or the the whatever it is the certification as a as a endangered historical area? Yes. Okay. Uh, particularly the widening of Highway 90. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, basically they would eliminate the red light there at Willing Street. So right. people would be flying through there at 45. Well, the speed limit would be 45 miles an hour. There's no uh, historic district then. There would be no yeah. more historic district. Yeah. Uh, and, there's, and there's other options. There's the southern route okay. that uh, a lot of people are in favor of, which would move the, the big heavy trucks and the people who are passing through coming from okay. Crestview on Highway 90 going on through give them an opportunity to go around, whereas the people that are coming to downtown for a reason, they still can. Yeah. Should Who should people talk to about that if they want to make comments? Is it the city council of Milton? Is it the yes. state, the county government? Who, who do they talk to? Uh, they would certainly call their uh, city council representative. Okay. And also to their state representative, J.R. Williamson, and, and uh, also, you know, just communicate with the historical society which is a big supporter of that okay of of keeping the high, the way it is um and it's a it, it is a challenging issue for people right. to face people who sit at that red light every day passing through they get very frustrated now i'm from atlanta right so you're used to red lights <laughs> you know traffic here i i kind of i kind of chuckle when people talk about how bad the traffic oh i was in is. bay area traffic i mean yeah, uh, you, you know what it's like i know exactly <laughs> So, yeah, but there's no traffic here. <laughs> but I understand people that sit through that red light a couple yeah. of times, they get frustrated and they want it to go faster. And, and, and interestingly enough, you yeah. know, the, the noise, the heavy trucks and everything actually does damage to the theater. Oh. We've had the windows on the front of it get broken because of the vibrations of the heavy trucks. That's crazy. Um, but, you know, and there's, there's a lot of challenges there because the fact that the, the building is on the National Historic Register, yeah, it would have to be protected. Should be. So it's part of the, uh, my understanding, it's part of the law that if you were to widen it, they would have to build a wall directly in front of the building to protect it in case so that nobody could run into the building. Don't. So, Widen the road. So now, folks. so now you're going to have. There, we would lose about a third of our sidewalk yeah. in front of it. There's and not then, that much there now. Which there's not a whole lot there now. Yeah. Then there would be a 10 foot cement wall that would be in front of the building. Oh, that's crazy. So there's a lot of you know, and and we certainly understand that there are very intense feelings on both sides of the issue. Yep, that's but what I chose for. <laughs> right, but I think that it's important for the. What what the consequences are and how it affects you know it would be it would affect the Imogene it would affect the Exchange Hotel it would affect a number of buildings downtown because you know going to that wide of a road you uh, have to remove buildings and some of those are historic they go back what early 1800s some of them or even earlier or the, how old are the buildings uh, the Fisher Hamilton building was the uh, was built before the turn of the century okay. and uh, and it would have to be moved yeah and I don't know how that would is possible, but uh, uh, technology wow. today, maybe they can. But So there's a lot of... But of should they, though? You know, there's no reason to if no. we can figure this out. We need to take a break. We're going to come back. I want to hear about Imogene. There actually is an Imogene. There is an Imogene. And so we'll start with that, and then we'll get on to the theater itself. My special guest, Kyle Werner, who is the manager, director, person in charge of <laughs> the Imogene Theater, 8.21 in the morning. I'll be right back. Like show business, like no business. 
Thank you, A-Dog. Everything about it is appealing. Ethel Merman. Everything that traffic will allow. <laughs> Who says we don't have fun here? <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm with Kyle Werner, who's the, the uh, director of the Imogene Theater. And I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's Imogene, not Imogene. It is Imogene. And uh, Imogene was a person. She was. She was yeah. a, um, a real live person that um, her family acquired the building in 1927 or something like that. Uh, Mr. Gooch, her dad. Okay. They knew that Imogene loved the arts. She loved to sing and to dance. And so they, um, they, they bought the building. And uh, the first night that they owned it, they, she sang and danced on the stage to a song called Forever Blowing Bubbles. She was young, wasn't she? She was very young. I think she was 10 or 12 at that point. Okay. And uh, she just loved to perform. And um, shortly thereafter, Mr. Gooch passed away, which is sad. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, we still have the sense of her being around. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, let's, let's, get her, let's get her life history, and then we'll talk about the fact that we think she's still there. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, the building um, was commissioned to be built after a fire in 1909. There was a, a rash of fires downtown Milton, weren't there? Very much so. Was, of course, it was all built out of wood because okay. of the, the timber in the area and you know all heart of pine wood, and, and naturally they didn't have the great fire equipment like we have now. Right. And so similar to Chicago, the, the lantern was kicked over in the basement and everything went up in, in O'Leary's cow. Yeah. yeah. Everything went up in the, in flames and people were running down to the river with buckets and running up and trying to put it out. And the, basically the whole downtown area was lost. And part that's of that's all brick now, right? That's correct. Interesting. And, okay. and so part of the, restoration process or the revitalization process was the commissioning and the building of the Imogene Theater. Okay. And they wanted it to be fireproof. That's what the architect was told. Please make it fireproof. So So no expense spared. They just were they really wanted they to They really told. wanted it to be okay. and so the the out the exterior walls uh-huh. uh and some of the interior walls are six layers of brick thick. Um, That's huge. Yes. What, what's normal for a building I, like that? I would assume one, maybe two. I don't know. And this is six uh, layers of brick. Six layers of brick. So wow. it, sometimes if, if when you're in the theater the next time, if you notice the hallways when you pass through from one section of the building to the other, you'll see that they're a good 18 to 24 inches wide Okay. because of the layers of brick. And it's you know like when you're building a retaining wall, you have to deadhead to make, make it more secure. And so they did that throughout the entire building. Yeah. And so uh, it is very secure and, and very stable. Uh, if, I, if there was ever a storm, that's where I would want to be is inside the... I'm, well, I'm thinking earthquakes. <laughs> but uh, it maybe it's so rigid that it wouldn't be the best in that case. But, I don't uh, know. Because you, know, know. you don't get those here, but that's what I'm thinking. But, uh, yeah, hurricane, it's been through hurricanes, right? Absolutely. And Multiple hurricanes. And it's still there. Still stands. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's been times where the roof's damaged and different things that have happened through the hurricanes. And then um, the building operated from you know 19 it opened in 1913 okay. and it was a, at the time it was the state-of-the-art vaudeville theater and it was on the vaudeville circuit people came through who performed there who are some of the more famous people who have come through there um the ones that i'm aware of right. are you know hank williams senior okay uh, played there roy acuff has played there different hundreds of vaudeville acts have played there um Original touring show for the Wizard of Oz played there. Oh wow! I did, they went on tour. Yes, and um, huh. it, 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 
It was, you know, at the time, back in those days, Milton was the largest community in Santa Rosa County. So what was Pensacola at that point? Well, Pensacola was still bigger, but it was in Escambia County. So, okay. But Milton was the largest metropolitan area in in Santa Rosa County. Oh, and interesting. It, and that's why, of course, I'm assuming that's why the county seat was put there. But it was yeah. larger than Navarre, larger than Gulf Breeze, larger than any of the other local areas. Okay. And it became the county seat. And the building, you know, was the first building to have um, electrical lights on the exterior of it. So people would come and sit in the grass across from the in the courthouse lawn and okay. watch the chaser lights go around the, the marquee. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it was state-of-the-art. It was top shelf. And, um, and a number of, you know, historic figures came through and played and performed and oh, the, wow. they would come and then they would go from here down to New Orleans and perform there and then catch the river boats up and go up to St. Louis and on up that way. So it was on the circuit. Huh. Do we have river boats on the Blackwater River? Uh, like at one, at one time, I think they did, but I don't, okay. I don't know. I know it was the it was a hub of commerce for a number of years with all the timberland and the sawmills and everything that, that yeah. were here. And the workers probably want for entertainment. They go to the Imogene. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So back to Imogene herself, she didn't live that long, did she? She had a kind of a tragic life. Or what's, what's her story? She, she did not was in her thirties. Okay. Uh, so she didn't live a long life. Um, she stayed, her family continued to operate the theater for a few years after her father's uh, passing. Okay. But then they they ended up selling it to another comp- another group and then moving on and um, when the historical society celebrated the 100th anniversary of the Imogene they found Imogene's granddaughter oh wow tracked her down and brought her back okay. for this celebration and she brought back some artifacts of a dress that Imogene had and cigarette case that Mr Gooch had and different things and they're on display in the theater it's really cool wow. Uh, I've actually seen this. You gave me a tour uh, when I first met you. Yes. And we went through, I was walking back after a concert, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is, I tend to do from, yeah. uh, from uh, Bands by Bands Blackwater. Bands on the Blackwater. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I wonder if they could move those to like maybe like a Thursday or a Tuesday or a weeknight. And uh, would that make a difference to like the downtown businesses or... or because I see all the other, like Pensacola, they do their thing on Tuesday, right. you know, because the weekends are generally pretty busy downtown anyway. Right. Has, it, has that ever come up in a conversation at all or no? Uh, it has. Okay. Is um, that one of those contentious issues or something or what? Very much so. Okay. Um, Interesting. You know, the way that I, I kind of looked at it was, you know, the businesses downtown, Boomerang, Docks, and the Bistro, they have a pretty solid business on Friday night. Right. And and I think the reason why, I've been told the reason why they started Bands on the Blackwater was to bring foot traffic to downtown, which, okay. is, a, which is a great thing. Yeah. And they've been, it's a good event, and they've been successful in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, anytime investors or different people are, are looking at an area to, to open a business or open a, something, they, they want to see consistent foot, track, foot oh, traffic. okay. They like to see it more than one so, night a week. Yeah. So my thought process when I I was just wondering why they had it on Friday nights and not because you know the businesses are already doing pretty well down there right. uh, on Friday night and it, maybe it would be helpful to have it on a Thursday night so then you would have a, a good Thursday night for for foot traffic and you'd have a good Saturday Friday night for or good a Wednesday traffic night and, you know or something right. or whatever yeah so um, and they've looked at that I know the city council has looked at it the city you know Johnny um, with the Parks and Recreation Department Lanice who uh, you've had on your show she's terrific yes. 
Um, yeah. I know they've looked at it. She was telling me she's been around the world with bands. Oh, she has. She's all kind of, she was a great guest. That was fun. It was fun she's, to have her. She yeah. is extraordinarily talented and yeah. does a great job with the events. Uh-huh. And we've been fortunate enough at the, the theater to be able to participate in some with her. And we enjoy that tremendously. And we want to build on that. Okay. So, you know, it's, um, it is a contentious issue. Not contentious. That's probably not the, the right word. But it is one for debate. You know, well, it's a strategy. What's going to bring the most people for the, the most days of the week so it looks the best to investors and, looks, and it gives the most people the most opportunities to enjoy, to enjoy. Uh, downtown Milton? Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I certainly understand the concerns of, you know, Friday night's a great night to have it because kids yeah. are, out, you know, they don't have to go to school the next morning. People right. are off work. But it's not a late night event. I mean, the, the, the it show starts nine? at 7, it goes yeah. until 9. So yeah, they can sleep on the way home. <laughs> so, you know, what I would love to see is is events happening throughout the week so yeah. that we create more foot traffic. More foot traffic is the key. It yeah. was the key in Bricktown. It's the key in Palafox Street in downtown Pensacola. It's the key in Savannah. It's the key in yeah. 30A, everywhere. And that, you got the experience because you did this before right. in Oklahoma. And, and so foot traffic is what, uh, not necessarily car traffic. Right. Um they want to see people moving through the downtown area, and, yeah. and, and it's an opportunity. And it, it is such a quaint and warm and inviting. We need like a area. like a gourmet ice cream place, a place and a hat shop, and right. uh, you know all those those cool things. And, that people and, like we need art, fun stuff. Yeah, need, art galleries. Like, yeah, and, photo and, places. Dress up an old period costume right. and get the pictures. You know the things I'm talking about. Sure, those are great fun. Anyway, I want to go through the Imaging Theater sort of like room by room because okay. I'm sure it's got some history. When you showed me the brickwork. And the amount of work that went into this. And those archways, those are all hand done. Correct. Right? So they didn't have like a the laser guided machine in <laughs> right. those days. The it's, artisans there, I mean, the, the craftsmanship of the building is yeah. amazing. You should give tours, you know, just to make, like schedule them. We do that. Oh, you do? Okay. We do. When, we, when there are major events, Scratch Ankle and uh, okay. the Arts Festival and everything, so we open the building and we're there to, so people can tour yeah. and come through. And, uh, you know, we are... We're, the building is not open every day. Every day. Yeah. Uh, so, but when we have events, we're there, and if people come by, and we we'll take them on tour anytime. We're very proud of her, and we love showing her off. Yeah, I had a great time learning about it. But maybe if businesses want to do like lunches once sure, a month, sure, absolutely. You know, they could contact you, and uh, and you'd open up for a lunchtime tour, sure, absolutely. And so they could have facilities for convention, maybe stuff or meetings, people out of town coming in. You could do all kinds of things. With sure. The There's a room there you've been in called the parlor room. It's yeah. really pretty. Um, very well done. And it's a great place for, you know, small business meetings if, or, or church meetings or different things. If yeah. people, we do a lot of baby showers and wedding showers and, oh, and cool. birthday parties and different things in that room. Mm-hmm. It's connected to the kitchen. Yeah. And, uh, That's the room on the right. So you walk on the, in, it's on the right side. on the right. It's all brick. I mean, this is like this big, solid room. And it's just, and you have the kitchen in the back. And uh, so how big is that room? It's probably 1,800 square feet, something like okay. that. It's a pretty good-sized room. What uh, was that originally? It was originally a, a retail location downstairs. Okay. I've heard that it might have been a hardware store. I've also heard it at one time was a dry cleaners. Okay. And it was retail up until the fire in, 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 1909, in 2009. So that fire in 2009, what happened with that one? The, there was a buildings attached on, the, I guess that's the north side okay. uh, of the building, and they were being restored okay. and there was a fire broke out in there unfortunately and those buildings burned to the ground and the that's where that big lot is open there yes okay and the embers from that flew up onto the roof of the imogene caught the imogene on fire and it was a big news story right yeah you know it's interesting everybody comes in i remember when i was standing out on the street watching it burn yeah 
and, and you know, to the credit of the Milton Fire Department and the Whiting Field Fire Department, they all came and they, they worked tirelessly to save the building, and they were able to. So the roof wasn't as fireproof as the as the walls. As the walls, were, right? This kind of I guess they weren't anticipating, you know, embers up there. Sure, interesting. And in parts of the ceiling fell in on the floor. When you come into the theater, yeah. if you look down onto the original hardwoods that are there, yeah. you will see some of the burn marks that that are still there, the scars from the fire. Wow. But it was, um, you know, that was a tragedy. But at the same time, it was it was good because it allowed them to go back in and restore it and really bring it back to its original glory. It looks old, but it's new, and it, it, it's yeah. a nice little contrast. We have to take another break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about the the spirits that are floating <laughs> around in there because I got a story for you from when I was there last time that I haven't told you yet. So this is going to be kind of cool. So my guest, uh, um, uh, Kyle Werner from uh, Imaging Theater, your managing director. What is your official title? I don't think I've ever gotten it. Um, my company manages the theater for uh, the I'm for the historical society. So there we uh, go. I That's just kind of call myself the general manager. That sounds good. All right, sir. We'll be right back in a little bit. Eight thirty-seven in the morning. And so now I want to tell you a story. And this is what happened to me. Uh, I had Tony Pasco on the show uh, last Friday. He performed last Friday night. Great band. And he brought friends. Yes. He had a guy that hadn't sung before, and he had uh, I forgot, Ryan. Ryan was And then the Trish was there Trish singing was away. There. She's an amazing vocalist. Trish is a great singer, yeah. yeah. But here's the funny part. So when Trish is singing, so you get Tony, guitar player, bass player, drummer. Uh, Ryan, I think, is playing acoustic guitar at this point. Trish gets up and sings, and she's singing the, the four non-blondes song, you know, What's Up. Right. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm just kind of minding my own business up in the balcony. And all of a sudden, I felt this presence. And I thought... There's somebody else here. <laughs> and I'm looking around, and there's nobody else there. And I just knew that somebody either I didn't like feel like them putting their hands on me or anything like that. But I knew somebody was there. There was a presence that was unmistakable. Yes. And I'm looking around. The other people are back there. It's like, what are you looking at? You know, it's like I look back, and there's nobody around me. But the, whoever it was was like either right beside me, right surrounding me, and it just felt, you know, all of a sudden like, whoa! I know you're there. I can't see you, but I know you're there. And this is this is not that rare an experience for the Amagen, is it? It's very common. We hear that often okay. about uh, a presence in the balcony, a presence on the stage. Um, we've heard numbers of people say, describe the same experience that you just had. Yeah. And sometimes you know they're there, but you can't see anybody. Right. But you know they're there. It's just, it's just right. like it's like somebody standing. It's like a, a spirit or something is like right next to you. You yes. know it's there. You can feel it as clear as day. You can't right. see it. And it's not a fearful thing. No, not at all. But you just know. You just know. And then it was gone. It was like five minutes later. I'm listening right. to the song, and I know I've got my presence. So I've got my, 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 my bud in the spirit world is right right with me. And they're checking me out, and I don't know what they're doing, but I guess they thought I was okay. Right. And then they moved on to wherever they moved on to, right. and all of a sudden I felt they were gone. I looked around. I was like, oh, it's weird. They're, okay, fine. Back to the concert. As you know, it's interesting. Tony's wife 
had the had a very similar experience the same night. Where was she sitting? She was down on the on the main level, and she okay. went up into the balcony. Uh oh, to, to see the view. Because <laughs> it's part of why I went in the balcony. <laughs> and uh, and she had a similar experience where she felt the a presence of something or somebody yeah. up there. Have Have we identified? Now we got the Ghostbusters coming on uh, Monday. We got the the American Paranormal. American Paranormal. They've been out, and uh, w- you know it's interesting. We've we've um, we've had. Interactions with the spirits that are there. Um, Some of us believe that it's Imogene. Um, Is there any way to know if people have seen things that look like Imogene, or is it just more the presence again? uh, It's more the presence. Uh, There was uh, one experience where the night that Imogene performed, uh, the first time she played a song, she sang a song called Forever Blowing Bubbles. Right. And um, our sound person that works there at the theater with us, uh, Todd Joseph from uh, Live Music Productions, he was up there at the theater one night working on lighting and working on different things. And he had tracked down that the original recording of that song. Oh, wow. And uh, Imogene's recording or just the original artist? From the Broadway musical that okay. it was from. Right. And so he played it over the PA system oh, in no. the theater. <laughs> and um, he had an experience where he was like, it was my fault. I shouldn't have played the song. <laughs> it wasn't a good experience. No, it was it was okay, but okay. it was just surprising to him. Right to uh, to. It's hard to describe this to people that don't understand, but if you do understand, you know exactly right. what it is. But if you don't, it, especially if you, you know, and I know this, this, this is a religious area. I think right. people are probably having, you know, tough. If you want to talk about that, then give us a call here, 623-1330. Let's talk about, uh, you know, your feelings regarding this. All I know is what I felt. Right. And, and I'm, apparently I'm not the only one that has, has had this happen. So it's, a, it's definitely, a, or at least it's a reasonably common experience. Right. And it's, it's never... It's never been a negative no, experience. I loved it's it. a very warm and inviting and yeah. and uh the feedback that we got from the American Paranormals was that those the spirits or whatever that are there thoroughly enjoy the fact that the building is back up and operating and there's music and there's yeah. drama and there's theater and there's entertainment and that they really enjoy it. And um it's exciting. Which is kinda cool. <laughs> yeah. You know? And they like the people that are you know, myself and Dennis and Diane and all the people that were working there to, to bring entertainment back to, to the theater. And they enjoy the fact that it is back up and operating. Well, operate. the theater people, you know, the spirits, whoever they are, I'm sure mm-hmm. they were, you know. And so this is kind of exciting. Uh, but it, like I said, it adds a whole new dimension to the performance because you go right. there. You don't know when this is going to happen. You don't know how long it's going to last. Right. You can't call it up. You can't right. conjure this. Right. They either come join you or they don't. Right. Did anybody else have an experience that night, last Friday? Um. That's the only two. Yours and, and uh, okay. Tony's wife had that. Experience. And I've been there before when nothing's happened. Right. You know, so it's just this isn't this is random. This is completely yes. random. But we're going to have uh, the Paranormal Society. We'll go into great detail about that. But uh, these aren't poltergeists. These aren't. No. There's nothing violent. Things nothing don't, violent. Lights no. don't go on and off. Strange things don't happen. Oh, they do go on and off. The lights <laughs> do kind of go on and off at times. Oh, and, really? And uh, you know, the people kind of chuckle and we we laugh about that they're just having fun with us. Okay. You know, there's a couple of dressing rooms backstage and the lights have a tendency to come on and we go in and turn them off and then we go downstairs and then they're back on. Back on again. And, uh, <laughs> but this you know, it's fun. it's okay. Yeah. The building, everything that it, That building's alive. It is. It's, and, got, and it's got a presence. It's definitely. got such an energy in yeah. it. Uh, and I think it's because it was such a part of the community for so long. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, it, it fell into disarray in the 40s when the, the other theater was built downtown. Okay. What, what happened to that one? 
Uh, they tore it down to uh, uh, to build a law office. And uh, sorry, nothing against lawyers, but <laughs> I'm over theater person. And then, and at that point, the theater sat vacant from you know 1946 to 1987 when it when they brought it back up. Right. No wonder the spirits are happy now. They've got all this life. They've got all this life okay. back. And let's talk about more of the rooms too. So you've got the parlor on the right side. Right. The stairs are in the middle. Correct. What was on the left? The left side was a retail outlet as well. It's okay. now the Santa Rosa Historical Museum. Okay. And there's a lot of artifacts there that the historical society has gathered over the years and has displayed. Been in there yet. It's yeah. very cool. The, Stories in, in history about the the uh, sawmills and the the economy, the local economy back from the turn of the century and before. Wow. Okay. Lots of photographs of uh, the old railroad trussel and. This uh, is a railroad town, wasn't it? Oh, it was a railroad town. It was very much timber, very okay. much sawmill. A lot of turpentine was made. Lots of shipbuilding. Okay. Uh, longleaf pine is, was a type of tree that grows in this area. Okay. And Is it that was, good for shipbuilding? It was great for shipbuilding. Okay. And uh, so they used that, and they would float the logs down the river to the okay. sawmills and, and build it. And uh, that was really the kind of the impetus for getting the, the whole area started. It's fascinating to see it back then. Um, I know there's, the, I think, the Blackwater Trail, which is an old railroad track, because right. I've biked a good yes. portion of it. Yes. You know, and that, was that where the rail line ran? Yes. Were there other lines running through uh, Milton? Yes. Where'd they go? Uh, they were going east and west and north and south. Um uh, the Railroad Museum um, over on Canal Street okay. there is uh, it's a it's really a nice uh, that that's a really cool and in the back of it if you have small children yeah take them to the Railroad Museum because in the back section of it they have a little small miniature train oh cool that the the volunteers that work it and, the, and you can put your kids on the train and it rides them around and yeah. it's really a they it's really really well done and it's a very enjoyable experience to just go over. They have the rail car, the old dining car. You can sit in and see what it was like to travel. We need train travel. I love old trains. This is so much fun. We do have to take one more break. And when we come back, let's get some contact information. We'll talk about upcoming events in the Imogene and anything you think I haven't covered. Okay. Uh, we'll go over then. So Greg Penglis here, my special guest, Kyle Werner from the Imogene Theater. We'll be right back. Everything that happens in life can happen in a show. You can make them laugh. You can make them cry, anything, anything can go. The clown with his pants falling down, or the dance, that's a dream of romance, or the scene where the villain is mean, that's entertainment. Hey, say that. <laughs> showbiz. There's nothing like showbiz. I've been to showbiz kind of all my life. I did the first piano concert when I was about six. You know, played one of those little songs that was easy to play. And, uh, you know, I've been on stage, did uh, end up playing tuba for the <laughs> University of Massachusetts marching band on my knees in front of 20,000 people with a tuba solo. Wow. So I, I get my share of performing. So this is, this, to be on the microphone is like completely natural. Right. You know, I feel right at home here. So let's get some contact information for the theater and mm -hmm. uh, websites, phone numbers, things like that. The website, uh, you can go to theimagingtheater.com, and theater is spelled T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Okay, why is that? Is that it's, in, it's the English spelling, apparently, of theater. Yes. And we're going to the theater. Yes. Oh, very good, yes. And so, but we actually own both domains, so if you, if you spell it wrong, you'll still end up at, at the website. Oh, that's helpful. And... Um, but you can go to theimagingtheater.com, and it will, you'll see a listing of upcoming uh, events, and you can actually purchase tickets online there. Okay. 
Uh, we also are very active on Facebook and Instagram and all of those. Again, the Actually, look, I don't have your Facebook on my the Imogene Theater. And uh, if you subscribe to our page, you'll you'll get an update all the time of the upcoming events and different things. And one of the things that we have really focused on is a, a wide variety of events. We want it to be everything. It is a performing arts center. That's right. what it is. And so it's it's music, it's drama, it's plays, it's comedy, it's uh, magic shows, it's as many different types of forms of entertainment as we can provide. Yeah, and it is family friendly. Um, it you know we do serve alcoholic beverages, but it is not a twenty one and over kind of place. It is not a bar. Right. It is a it's purely a performing arts center, similar to the Sanger. It's just more. It's much more casual and much more relaxed than. Well, the you're Sanger. close enough to see everything. So even from the balcony, I mean, you're right yes. there. I mean, it's Tony made this point. Tony Pasco when he was here that it's such a cool place to play because it's so close. You can see the people. Right. You can see their faces. You know, it's not like this big arena. It's it's like intimate theater. So whatever's going on, you're right there with it. You know. Yeah, you know, it was you know. built in 1912, as I said, and right. they didn't have PA's and they didn't have microphones and everything. Back so you had then. to be able. To to broadcast. So you had to be able yeah. to, they, the way they constructed the room was that you kept everybody close and the sound really uh, travels. And it's, it's a, the acoustics in there are just phenomenal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you really know you have something when the musicians who come and play uh-huh. rave about it. Yeah. And then they come back and they want to record and they want to. Oh, you do, you do recordings there? Oh, yes, all the time. Wow. We've had um, three different live performances that people recorded and put it out. Okay. Uh, on YouTube, we, uh, full uh, full concerts. Uh, we've had three different um, music videos that have been shot in there. It's it's a great place, and uh, yeah. all of the musicians that come in, they're just blown away by the acoustics. And when I get a band, I'll be there too. Yes, <laughs> and it, it is it is such a cool place to play. Okay. Apparently, you can really hear well. And uh, yeah. so, what do you see? We've only got a couple of minutes left. What do you see as the future of the theater? I think the theater is going to continue to grow. I think there will be more and more varied types of events, and we're hoping that we can, um, you know, we have some things planned for culinary, food classes, a lot of different things that where the building will be more and more active throughout the week. Okay. And um, it just takes time. You know, the, again, the building was vacant for 40 years or more. Got to get people back used to so it. The, you know, it's yeah. part of the process is making people aware that the building is there and they can use it and it's open mm-hmm. to the public and they can come down and enjoy it. And any time that if you're in the area, knock on the door. Yeah. And if we're there, we'll take you on a tour. We're very proud to show her off. And I love that building. I would love to see old movies. If you could show like Casablanca and the Maltese Falcon and have like old popcorn makers. and <laughs> We and do have that. Them, we'll dress maybe in our fedoras and things and all that kind of stuff. We've, we've done that. We've done okay. uh, all kinds of different movies and both old and new, newer, yeah. uh, 80s and 90s classic, you know, E.T. and Lost, Raiders of the Lost Ark and okay. Grease and different musicals. So it's fun. Wow. And like I said, we only have about uh, 30 seconds left here. Anything we've forgotten to talk about? No, just thanks for having me on. And uh, okay. I just want to say to the, to the to your listeners is this building is as yours as much as it is ours in the historical side. We want you to come and be a part of it. So come yeah. down and enjoy the shows. You'll, it's, you'll have a good time, I promise. Sounds good. Thank you, Kyle. So keep me notified of what's going on. Yeah, that's where it ended. Um, so this was from uh, June 23rd of 2017 or 26. I've forgotten. Anyways, June, June of 2017. Um, and so I got to, in fact, I found Kyle on Facebook. I got to uh, trace him and see what, uh, see what's happening. 
uh, with him now. And I'm kind of curious about his stories. You know, like I say, I disappeared uh, when I got taken off the air at WBY and nobody knew why or they thought I'd quit or moved on. Is no, no, I wasn't my choice. I love that station. I'd be there now uh, if I could. Um, but uh, same thing with Kyle. He, all of a sudden he was there uh, at the Imogene and then he was gone. And I'm curious why he was gone because he seemed to be doing an incredible job from everything I could see. Again, I've talked about all the different people that were there. So I'm going to get this to the Historical Society. I'll get this to the uh, uh, Save uh, Historic Milton Facebook group and, of course, my group, my Milton Renaissance group. And so the last 45 minutes is the interview. And so I'll have the exact time for you uh, once I get the podcast. I'll mark that uh, as well. So that's it for today. Uh, a lot of stuff you, from our, our Matt Gates bill, which uh, apparently the background and the legal was, was incredibly interesting. I hadn't gone all through that until the show. But the law itself, the bill itself, has a couple of things that shouldn't be there, I think. Uh, you know, refugees giving uh, birth automatically to citizens and people serving in our military uh, or foreign nationals serving in the military, you know, getting automatic citizenship. Eh, I don't know about that. Uh, but the other things that as far as uh, – and, of course, the question we have was on permanent residents. Should permanent residents automatically give birth to American citizens? They're legal in the country. They're here permanently. Um, I have to check that out. But the only people, as far as I'm concerned, and Pianchi, when we talked about this today on the show, who can automatically give birth to American citizens anywhere in the world uh, is where one of the parents is an American citizen. And that's it. And otherwise, we need to correct millions upon millions of fraudulent citizenships that have never been given through a misinterpretation of the 14th Amendment. And we'll work on that uh, soon. Got my music to play, my, la- my musical selection for Thursday which I purposely not played so I could save it for, uh, for the end today. And we'll see you all tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, just like uh, every day. And Friday, tomorrow's Friday show. I'm not even sure who's showing up yet. We'll find out. Uh, it's still summertime. A lot of folks are on vacation doing different things. But uh, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, we will do it all again.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.